Fox Spots and Chair Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Fox Spots and Chair Shots on all platforms to make sure we get in here on Fox Spots and Chair Shots. One of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage represents the takeover all day. And Fox Spots and Chair Shots, check Hello, all my people, and if you're watching live, checking us out on YouTube, or listening on your favorite podcast provider, you are most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch Pots and Chair Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content, and if not, we'll sprinkle in Bama Dave, you know, so we still get over. I'm your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am the Will Grant. I'm glad to be here on this journey, and tonight that journey is History of the Strap with the Big Gold Belt, Volume 2. Joining me tonight, he is the host of the Bammer Chatter Podcast. He is the most professional wrestling podcast podcaster in the pro wrestling world. Most importantly, he's my friend, Bama Dave. Ba- Dave, welcome back, man. How are you? I'm doing okay. Dang you for beating us last Saturday. That was a game. <laughs> I literally oh my held my I held my breath all day on Saturday. I even said in a couple group threads, I was like, I'm going silent. I'm not going to say anything until that game is done. Yeah, I, I, I'm blaming my co-worker at, at the church I work at. He, uh, We do a podcast there, shout out Madison Assembly Podcast. And he said, uh, we have this little wager. If the Tennessee won, I had to wear something Tennessee on the next podcast video. And if Alabama won, my pastor, who's a Tennessee fan, had to wear an Alabama shirt. So this dude said, get comfortable wearing red, pastor. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Jinxed it right there. Jinxed it right there. <laughs> Me and Marcus from World Elite made a, a bet as well, depending on who won the LSU-UT game. We were going to wear the opposite team's colors on our shows, and he held true and even sang Rocky Top on a World oh, Elite. Man. So big shout-out to him. Um, gotcha. Moving around the group tonight is joining me, as always, is the man who comes with his own disclaimer, and that is the opinions of the LSU guy, his and his alone. They do not reflect Botch Pots and Share Shots or the Smack Draw Podcast Network. Bobby Mack. Bobby, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm a little cold, man. After complaining about no AC in Texas, uh, apparently the big guy upstairs turned the AC on. I mean, global warming, am I right? Yeah, dude. It's like in the 70s. I'm freezing. God, I hate you. I woke up this morning, it was 36 <laughs> degrees, and my car oh, was frosted here. over. Same like, here. I had to start the car to warm it up this morning. So if it was still in the 70s, I would be peachy with it. Yeah, it's supposed to be 88 this weekend, but... Lucky. And rounding out the panel, as always, perched upon her iron throne in her boss bitch's corner, she is the Hova to my Beyonce, she is the Bonnie to my Clyde, she is the boss bitch, Miss Allison Siegel. Allison, how are you? I'm good. Just good. But clearly I'm Beyonce. <laughs> well, that's what I always, I always put that one backwards. I don't know why I always feel like I need to be Beyonce. It's 2022 though. You can't judge me. Maybe but a little I'm, bit, but you're going to judge me. I'm the queen bee. I'm Beyonce. Queen <laughs> bee. All right. Well, Dave, the last time you were on the show, we didn't do this, but you have, uh, you've heard it a few times. So I'm going to ask all of you the same question I do every week. What has you guys pissed off for greatness tonight in the world of prof- professional wrestling? Uh, no specific order. Just hop in whenever you want. Dave, you want to go first? Yeah. Yeah, go whenever sure. you want. Dave, you're first. Hey, it's my show. I'm just going to make this up as I go. I'm not really sure what's going Will, on. Well, we're, we're both from the South. You know in the South it's ladies first. Oh, look at Dave being polite. Miss always makes me go last, just so we're clear. 
Well, it's okay. because you're a co-host. It's the, what's it called? It's the uh, the courtesy to have your guests go first and then the host go last. Unless that guest is a woman, then the woman goes first. Dave, you can go first or you can default to Allison. <laughs> then Allison can go first. That's fine. I'm defaulting. <laughs> I'm defaulting. Go ahead, Allison. Okay, so we're going to adjust my normal rant a little bit. Um, so... On an episode that's supposed to be all about title belts, uh, I'm still pissed that AEW only gave their women 10 minutes. Mm. I can agree with that. And one match. You have two women's belts on a show that's supposed to be all about your belts. 10 minutes. We've been riding really high on the women's wrestling thing the last few weeks, so I, I definitely agree that uh, right now between the big three in the states, Impact, WWE, and AEW, um, I think AEW's the the weakest of those three with their both the quality of content, the quantity of content, and the content itself. Bama Bobby, you got anything? Did you call me Bama Bobby? Bama or Bobby, I could, you know, like uh, if you're into the Bama Bobby, if you're into the whole brevity thing, whatever you want to be, man. Former tag team will be the Bama Boys. The Bama Boys. (laughs) It would be a step up from FSU. Actually, there is a Bama Boys uh, tag team on um, the uh, Legends Wrestling Federation uh, stream net, but we just broke up because I turned deal. (laughs) (laughs) Bama Dave the heel. (laughs) It would be Bama Shoes. Bama Shoes. Crimson shoe, <laughs> the crimson shoe crimson guy. Shoe. There we go. Yeah. That's, oh, there you go. There that's you go. Bama Dave's alter ego. If you <laughs> is the crimson shoe guy. Yep. I guess I going get. off what Allison said about the women, um, I'm not hurt that there wasn't a big feature of them on there. Um, just because I think it, I think AEW's got one of the weaker ones, but the fact that Riho was the woman that they chose to like bring out, like she's like four foot nothing. Uh, she's one of Omega's people, so maybe this is saying that Omega's coming back soon because I know she's been gone for a while. And uh, I don't know. I I think it was just a waste of uh, a waste of time to have her be the woman that goes out there and uh, saves their champ. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I mean, I had the I had this rant a little while ago that uh, you know you have Jay Cargill as your TBS champion, you have Tony Storm as your uh, as your. Jade's AW. not the champion anymore. You know what I mean. She. <laughs> she still is she just doesn't have her title with her right now right but but uh then you have tony storm who's the aw women's champion but yet still what's everything all all about on dynamite and on rampage dr Britt baker and jamie Hayter, which lets me know okay they're in the inner circle of tony khan they butter up they probably kiss bud every single week thank you so much for signing me number one first signing you ever had and and everything like that and of course i'm a doctor i fly back and forth and i'm always here and i put in the extra hours and by the way did you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm almost engaged to adam cole yeah so the guy that <laughs> yeah the guy that gave you your only loss when when the wednesday night wars were going on the only reason you lost nxt is because my boyfriend was on the show and now you signed him yeah because okay have the extra 10 minutes of tv time yay thank you tony Stop it. Your girls have titles. Showcase them, please. Yeah, but did you notice this week was the first time that they had actually mentioned Punk and the Elite during the uh, episode? Shivani said it. Right. 
Um, I heard so, with the sheets reporting that the elite were making their rounds and they would be coming back shortly. I know Omega's been on an excursion with the video game stuff in Japan anyways, so his forced suspension was going to be time off it because he was already going to be there. Right. Then why put the trios titles on them? That's what I thought too. I was like, I, I didn't think that was necessarily the, the call either, but it was almost like those titles were made for them. Uh, we knew that we knew that Omega was big in bringing them into AEW. He was big in designing the belt, so it was only a matter of time before they wore them. I just think they needed. I think the title should have been more than twenty four hours old before they got an asterisk attached to him. Yeah, when you say it was made for him, the whole the whole place was made for them. Like if it wasn't for them, they wouldn't be on a national spotlight. Yep, it's their playground. True. All right, Bobby, Dave, which one of you <laughs> want to go next? <laughs> <laughs> it don't matter. It don't matter. You can go ahead, Bobby. Where am I going next to? What, Bobby? What has you pissed off for greatness? What has you the most Rio. worked up to Riho? Oh, that's what you were going with. Was the Riho? Is it four twenty yet? <coughs> no. Oh, okay. That's just the TikTok number, right? <laughs> yeah, apparently <laughs> it was for a few days. <laughs> All right, Dave. Well, you're up then, man. What has you pissed off for greatness tonight, my brother? Uh, it's. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy when it comes to the landscape of pro wrestling. There's really nothing going on in any particular promotion that's got me angry right now. It, it's still the same. It's still the same thing that I always have a problem with. And that is that just people can't enjoy the product. It's like people are constantly looking at social media for the one thing they disagree with. And then they either go on a tirade about it or they retweet it or whatever. I don't know if you guys saw, um, I got a chance to call in and, and, and thank her for doing it. But Vicky James dropped a banger of a of a soundbite yesterday on busted open about how respect is so important in this business and how if you don't go out there and give it everything you got in your in-ring work as well as on the mic there's a good chance you'll never get that time again so every time you go out there do your best at everything you do and then some loser had to retweet what she said and said yeah this coming from a woman who was handed scripted promos all the time yeah we can really take to heart what you have to say i tweeted back and said dude she's got more title reigns than you have followers i wouldn't talk right now so, I mean, ser- I mean, seriously, the, the, the stuff that people just look to try to make a name for themselves off somebody else, when you know for a fact the person that you're trying to make a name off of could stretch you back and forth in the ring if they ever met you face to face, or worse, they could bury you with one sentence and with one tag of a real other legend, they could get a whole fleet of guys to come in after you and you could get blocked or banned off of Twitter in a heartbeat. So my and my thing is this. We need to get back to a place of accountability. If you would not say this to their face, don't tweet it. It's that simple. I completely agree. I think a lot of people are keyboard warriors, especially in 2022. I feel like the pandemic especially made a ton of them because people spent so much time online. Uh, But big shout out to Mickey James. Big fan of the show. Botch bots and share shots alumni. Uh, She loved Allison's glasses. Wasn't it your glasses? It was my glasses. Yeah. Uh, she's she's amazing. Heart, Miss Hardcore Country, she's an absolute legend. Um, fantastic. We talked with her when she was on. We talked about the uh, Clockwork Orange House of Fun match with Raven when it was her against Jeff Jarrett. And she talked about how Jeff worked with her like a man and she got to go in there and have fun. And as a young woman coming out of the, the ECW revolution, she was like, I had a chance to show that we were more than just puppies. You know, like, and coming through that time, that's pretty much what the women's wrestlers were. And she was like, they gave me a chance to work like a man when nobody else was doing that yet. So big shout out to Mickey James. Um, 
Hey, Will, real quick. When I did Sir. my top ten, when I did my top ten women of all time, Mickey James is my number three. Is she in your top ten list? Um, I would put Mickey James in my top ten of all time. I think. Um, I'm not. I would have to think about that list some, but I would say just off the cuff, yeah. Like I would put Mickey James in my top ten women, um, especially. You know, with some of the things that have came to light, there's a couple of the women that were in my top 10 that have been moved out for the same reason there were some men moved off of my Mount Rushmore. Um, yep. So I think that that allowed uh, like a Mickey James to move into that spot for, you know, not necessarily the greatest of all time, but the talks. So I think anybody in the top 10 has an argument of why they could be. Amen. I agree. Cool. All right, Allison, it's my favorite part of the show because I get to hand all responsibility off to you. It's time to head up to your corner for news, rumors, and headlines. Ooh, fun. Woo! So the first thing I have is that from all of us here at Box Box and Chair Chair Shots, I see I can't even talk. Chair Shots, Chair Shots. <laughs> um, we want to send our condolences to Kevin Nash because his son uh, passed away today. Yes. So definitely, so you know, sending love and thoughts to his family. Agreed. Um, big Kevin Nash fan, big sexy guy. Loved NWO. He'll be in the topic of conversation tonight more than once as we get through some of the the topics. You never like it when it happens, especially if somebody has to 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 lose a child. That's the biggest loss a parent can take. Yeah, twenty six years old, way way too soon. Spend, you know, just think about this. Nash lost his best friend this year, and now has lost wow. his son. Wow. So sad. Yeah. So, thoughts and prayers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, for quote, sure. Big time. The quote King Theoden from Lord of the Rings fathers should never have to bury their sons. Absolutely right. The next thing on my list uh, Ace Steel has been released from AEW. Who? <laughs> um. uh, he bit Kenny Omega. He bit Kenny Omega. Was it Kenny Omega he bit? Yeah, he bit. No, I think he bit one of the bucks. I think I think Omega's whole thing in the altercation was just saving a dog. Yeah, he was trying to get Punk's dog out of the room so he wouldn't get hurt. Apparently, um, I think. It, sorry, go ahead, Bama. I was gonna say you'd think in a scuffle like that, the dog would be the one biting people, and not Ace. <laughs> Fair. Uh, I have to give uh, the Kaitai Show a shout out because he said it best and. This guy had one of the most eventful weeks in pro wrestling. He got brought in as a producer, helped go through and produce one of the biggest segments AEW's ever had on live TV, produced the pay-per-view, got in a fight, and got fired all within like 10 days. Like, that's a hell of a resume for 10 days with a company. Unbelievable. Like, you you were there. You got literally, you're like, I got in a fight with my EVP, like my eighth day of work. Mm -hmm. He's an impact player, man. That's what I'm saying. He came in and made moves, right? Big time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the big scheme of things, though, I don't want to say this and sound ignorant to pro wrestling, but Ace still wasn't a needle mover for me as far as a name that I super recognized anyways. Um, I knew he had had some behind-the-scenes work and stuff, but he wasn't a, a big name in the sense that I was really like... Uh, I wasn't like, oh, shit, Ace Steel's at AEW now. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't ever that big of a deal for me anyways. So for him to be gone, I'm like, the man literally fought an EVP with his bare hands. It makes sense that he doesn't work there anymore. I say his main mark came in Ring of Honor, right? Yeah, he was a Ring of Honor guy, but that was it. Even then, like, well, that's what I mean. Like, he wasn't one of those. He's not a, 
a Punk or a Danielson when it comes to Ring of Honor guys or a Samoa Joe or something. I was just like, right. but he's more of like a Colt Cabana. So it wasn't. Yeah, he was a, yeah. Jobber. He was a jobber in WWE. Like he, like he, uh, what uh, he got his hair cut by Eugene, I think. Oh, was it? Oh, was that it? Was that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's where I know him from. I didn't. I didn't, yeah. know, I didn't know he was. I feel like in a lot, lot of ways, Eugene is a golden piece of wrestling history that is underappreciated because the guy, the actual man and the worker is still a coach and a trainer to this day. And he just got, he was one of those guys who looped into a typecast gimmick for his role. And that was what he ended up with. Yeah, but he's still making bank on the indies playing that character. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, Dins, Dinsmore's, Dinsmore's an amazing wrestler. Like he's He was a good wrestler. He was a good talker. Um, you know, I think it takes somebody good like that to be able to put over a character like he did like that, you know, no pun intended. That was one of the most challenging characters that you could probably like be put in and have to get like, have to get over. Just, I mean, yeah, in, in every movie and in every sitcom, the people that play either special needs or, or, um, whatever you would call it on the spectrum or, or, I mean, good grief. The most probably m- mainstream example is like Joey from Friends. Matt LeBlanc is a genius. He's got a very high IQ, very clever, like photographic memory. But yet, so to go in there and play an airhead, same thing with Lisa Kudrow playing Phoebe. The people that can do these offhanded, kind of airbrained, slow characters, good grief. Daniel Day-Lewis in My Left Foot playing with a guy with cerebral palsy. You have to you have to have a huge genius IQ to play characters like that. So props yeah. to Densmore for being able to get that character over and do it in a great way. Yeah, Sean Penn, uh, who uh, Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump. Um, yeah, yeah. It just, dude, you got you should see me when I'm not on this podcast. <laughs> so before we move to the next headline, Allison, I have to know: Do you even know who Eugene is? Mm, no. I was curious if you had been that deep into the wrestling lore yet. He was from He's a period. Ju- He's, I'll send you some of his stuff. He's a great worker. He had a really yeah. unique character. I'm curious to see your take on the Eugene character. Send her that clip where he worked with The Rock and Coachman. Yes, that's a, oh, that's a great yeah. one. Absolutely, <laughs> that's a, yeah. Yeah, that's a good moment. Cool. All right, was, you're up. Wasn't it, yeah, didn't, didn't Hogan save him at WrestleMania? Against yes. The, yes, against right. the, uh, the, what, the Muhammad Hassan and yeah. what's his name? Yeah, Hassan, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Allison, your turn. Yeah, you're up. <laughs> Let her do her job. <laughs> um, WWE released a reduced uh, premium live event schedule um, that does not include day one. However, January 11th is the 30th anniversary of Raw. Do you think that they're just going to do something big for that versus doing day one. How many times have they done day one? Once. Okay. Last January, yeah. I say go ahead and do day two. My only, que- <laughs> my only question is, did they have a partnership with Atlanta, and is that going to be in jeopardy at all because of this? I don't know. That I, I can't know. speak on. I don't know. Yeah. No uh, clue. As far as the premium live event schedule, though, I am a big fan of this. Dave... Uh, you and I have both said this many times that they didn't need a lot of it. And Bobby, you and I have had this conversation about if some of these gimmick pay-per-views needed their own pay-per-views and if they should just go back to having a Hell in a Cell match. 
And uh, I'm a, I love the idea of them removing that pay-per-view and allowing that to be an open stipulation now for somebody to build a big enough story to where, you know, the Hell in a Cell can be the go-home again. And it could be like the say-all, be-all, end-all for a, a, a good built program. Um, so I think losing it, it also gives us the stretch of time from Survivor Series through Rumble that's going to build some stories. Adding those extra, you know, four weeks between each pay-per-view or whatever it is, I think can allow for bigger stories to be built and make the pay-per-views mean more. Yeah, I think it makes those gimmick matches mean more too. Like, I wouldn't take away Royal Rumble because that Royal Rumble started like that. No, that's one of the big four. There's no way they'll take those away. Yeah, But, But what I would do and I would challenge them on is having a men's and a woman's Royal Rumble on the same show. It takes away, it takes away from one of them, whichever one is the end. I feel like it takes away because you already see the spots in the beginning. Like Kofi's not going to touch the ground for whatever reason. Naomi's not going to touch the ground for whatever reason. Like it's like shadowing the same characters, um, same spots just go on and on. So I think they've got, they've got to figure out a way to get the women's double matches to be more special or the men's double matches to be more special. And I think taking them off a pay-per-view that's titled that is the way to do it. But I don't know what you would do with the women's Royal Rumble. Let me ask, they had to- Let me fantasy book this for you and let me ask you guys a question then. What if they took the women's Royal Rumble because on this this suggested premium live event schedule, they have evolution. And to assume they stick with an all-women's pay-per-view late next year, could they put the Women's Rumble there and just build from November to uh, April for WrestleMania instead and put the Women's Royal Rumble on an all-women's pay-per-view? That's the question is how far ahead of it at WrestleMania is it? I wouldn't do it too much farther than like December. Yeah, but that, that's the, the kind yeah. of the idea. They could maybe do it. If they were doing Evolution in December and the Rumble in January, then there's not a big difference in two or three episodes yeah. of Raw. Or they could do what BC Hunter said to do the other night on Wrestling With The Truth is what if the Royal Rumble and maybe SummerSlam could also, like WrestleMania, be two nights? Let the women main event one night and let the men main event the next night. I think so, I think Rumble could be big enough to do that. SummerSlam to me, biggest I, party of the summer. Could you do two nights? I didn't want to do two nights in LP Field, Nissan oh. Stadium. Absolutely oh, not. I, I, hey, if you'd had two nights, Seth could have wrestled. What if What if you do Fair the enough. Royal Rumble? What if you do the Royal Rumble for the ladies or the men, whichever one, a couple months before SummerSlam, and SummerSlam is their WrestleMania. Like that's where they get their guaranteed shot at the main event of SummerSlam. Well, you got to uh, keep in mind they didn't do the uh, the WrestleMania stipulation and the Rumble until '94 anyway, so it had been around for six years before Yokozuna won it for the first time. Look at me being a nerd. He was the first dude to cash in the the Rumble win for the WrestleMania uh, main event. Who's the first guy to win the belt in the Royal Rumble? '92, Ric Flair. Nice. So. My- so here's my part of it. You guys say all ladies pay-per-view. What if we said an all men's pay-per-view? What kind of flack would what, what kind are, of flack we had that we had that for twenty years. Yeah, I was about to say, do you not remember nineteen eighty three to nineteen ninety seven, Bobby? Like Shut up, Bobby. <laughs> no, but here's my thing about an all women's pay-per-view. As the roster stands right now with so many of the women out or injured, or whatever, like, are they even going to have enough women to have an all-women's pay-per-view? 
This year, probably not. By this time next year, yes. But I think I think it opens them up, like what they did this year with that Impact partnership, and actually having Mickey James come in. Like they could, if this Japan partnership comes in, I don't know the Japanese people very well, um, but you know them coming in, at least they've got you know a little bit more of a playground to play in and bring people over. Well, this would open up the partnership to Stardom as well with the IWGP. Let me ask y'all this question, because Apron and I had this conversation when we did the book, The Calendar Show, uh, about a year ago. He wanted evolution on the calendar. I didn't. And my reasoning was this. And he made a very valid argument as well. So that's why I want to hear what you guys have to say. His argument was because the women have for so long only had one match on a pay-per-view or sometimes no matches on a pay-per-view, to give them their own pay-per-view is kind of a, you know, thank you for everything you do all year. This is a big reward. You get the whole show. I said... If we're truly going for equality and everybody battling for the same time and to be the, I think Becky Lynch changed the game because when she became the number one star in the company and arguably is still the number one star in the company when she's there, a lot of people retweet her stuff more than they retweet Roman Reigns. So I would say that if that's the case, then can't you just say, look, if the women have better traction with their story, if they're, if they're, if the Becky and Bianca rivalry is more must see than whatever Brock and Roman are doing, why can't Becky and Bianca be the main event of that pay-per-view? Who says it has to be the tribal chief? I get he holds the main prize in the business, but if we're truly going for equality, Becky, Bianca, you told a better story. You don't need your own pay-per-view. You get the main event. We'll put Roman in the opening match. He can squash the guy and say, I'm out of here. Have a good show, guys. I'm I'm for that, uh, but I think that the society that we live in is going to find a fault in it and complain about it because if their favorite isn't the main event, then there's a problem. And I think that's where our society is in a whole. That's a whole other subject. So I, I don't think we would be able to appease anyone. I, I don't think there's I don't think there's a way to appease all the people, like, you know, at all the time. And I think, uh, I don't know, I, I th- with the all-female pay-per-view, I really like to look at the numbers. You know, now that we've seen Evolution, the first one's out, you know, the the, the shines off, the, off of it or whatever. I'm sure Will's got more Southern sayings that you could help me with that. Um, what, what's the next, what is that next women's pay-per-view going to look like? And is it going to draw the way that evolution drew? Good point. Allison, what do you think? I mean, with the women that if, if the women that are available right now, like, I don't think it would do well at all, to be honest. You know, without Charlotte, without Becky, like... Sasha, Naomi. No Sasha, no Naomi. Like, Bianca and Bailey can't hold it up themselves. And to be fair, the rest of the women's roster isn't quite where it should be. I mean, we should have more Alexa Bliss on TV, but we don't. Whatever it is that she's doing or whatever... You know, like I think they're gonna think they're repackaging her Oscar too. Yeah, but it's just like, you know, like I love Bianca and I love Bailey, but like it's getting tired, like already, even like are we just gonna have Bianca and Bailey like going back and forth until Charlotte decides she wants to come back? Yeah, I feel like I feel like they're trying to save everybody's return for the Royal Rumble. And I think that's going to kill. Like it's it's going to hurt Cody's return at the Rumble if everybody else returns at the Rumble. I have a feeling we're going to see Becky at Survivor Series because they need two teams to go into those cages. 
They said that she may be back by the end of the before the end of the year. I Maybe. see. I see a safe return by Rumble. Honestly, would be my 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 viable bet would be that she rests until Rumble and then comes back and wins. Allison, can you turn that doll around that's staring at me? I'm kind of spooked. It's it's definitely. <laughs> It's definitely interesting because if we are going to get Becky versus Ronda, then either Becky's going to have to win the championship or Becky's going to have to either win the Rumble or win the Chamber to get her shot at her. So it'll be interesting to to see how they do that. Will, what do you think? I mean, do you want an all-women's pay-per-view or do you kind of agree with me that women, men, who cares? Better story gets the main event. Uh, here's my – I kind of agree with both of you in a way. Uh, the best part about WWE is they've got the Peacock deal, so they don't have to worry about pay-per-view buys. They right. could put a Raw on a special on Sunday night and call it a pay-per-view and just be like, there you go, guys. And we we can't do anything about it because of the nature of the deal. Um, so I feel like that's really distracting. That doll is extra creepy. Um, but, but I feel like given the right... I, wasn't talking about, I was talking about Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins? Oh, Leave Lord. Seth alone. Uh, Seth, I feel like... I can't even see him. He's sitting on top of her IC belt. I kind of, but I can't see his face, so I'm not, I'm not creeped out by that. <laughs> now I'm creeped out. <laughs> it wasn't just me, right? I yeah. feel like, given the right storylines, I think that I think I have more Becky Bianca's left in me than I would Roman, uh, Roman and Brock. You know what I mean? I think they've got more of a story to tell. Adding Charlotte when she comes back, adding Bailey. You've got Oscar versus Io that we haven't got yet. There's a lot of stories to tell in the women's division, so I think they could build a hell of a card for an all-women's pay-per-view if they did it right and booked it and got everybody back and healthy and kept them healthy all the way through next fall. It'll be interesting to see, especially with whether or not Sasha and Naomi come back, because if they say, no, we're happy, we're not coming back, we're about to be flooded with about five or six girls from NXT, namely Toxic Attraction and Roxanne. Agreed, so. Miss Siegel, yeah. what you got next on your list? Um, the next thing I have is Adam Page's concussion Ooh. from Mox on Tuesday. It's amazing the other bumps that he took in that match. That was the bump that did him in. He <laughs> like it's crazy that it wasn't from the lariat either. He just landed bad. It was that's, a bad. He oversold yeah. and he landed yeah. wrong on the oversell, which is one yeah. of the problems when people do that kind of stuff. Ricochet has done it a few times where he's yeah. knocked himself for a loop because he oversells and then he ends up hurt. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Will. Shawn Michaels got most of his concussions by overselling. He did. Uh, he also that's yeah. one of the biggest reasons he broke his back as well was because he tried to oversell a bump onto the casket and he overshot right. his, he overshot the throw. So a right. lot of these guys, when they oversell or don't do things by the books is where we see some of these injuries come from. And I think Adam Page is the most, yeah, Adam Page is the most recent example of that happening. Yeah. Yeah. If you watch Michael's, like when he would do like a backdrop, like someone flip him, he, you would see him launch off yes. their shoulders like every time. Like that's 10 yeah, feet it, in the air every time. Yeah. Every yep. time. Yeah. Isn't it ironic that the thing that gave Adam Page a concussion, who does the buckshot lariat, was a lariat? Uh, Marie says she's saying that he was knocked out by the lariat. Uh, he couldn't do the full rotation. Uh, it, it did. It really? Like yeah, it did I, shot, but. I thought. I, I, thought I, heard, it, I, heard, I heard Moxley got his shoulder and he landed off right on his neck. 
if it was, it wouldn't surprise me. Either way, I'm sorry. Yeah, I either way, better, yeah. You know, I, I'm, okay, I'm a, yeah. you know, I love, you know, Hangman's great. But my point is, the way it looked on the replay, and I even put it on my TikTok, uh, when he landed, it looked like he landed on this part of his body, right. like in that upper right. neck area. So that's what I thought did it. I thought he was trying to over-rotate and oversell and just landed wrong on his neck and head. And that's what I thought the concussion came from. Uh, the lariat looked like a Moxley lariat when he hits you. It looks like I mean, Moxley. I mean, yeah, Mo- yeah, Mox is one of the few that he'll throw a JBL lariat and he'll he'll knock you the crap out. Yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah, got yeah, a few guys yeah. on his bucket list Woo! that have came through and said Moxley took my head off. You know, like that's yeah. not something pe- people know Moxley's going to hit them in the ring. But yeah, please get better soon, Hangman. We need you back in the ring, buddy. AEW needs you fiercely yeah. in the ring. Yes. <laughs> Um, my next one is Hogan deletes infamous tweet from 11 years ago. Good night, Hulkamaniacs and Jabroni Marks. I'm a Jabroni Mark. I don't care. I, uh, I don't remember that tweet. He's Hulk Hogan. I don't care. Um, I'll pull up. <laughs> I, I shall pull up the whole tweet. When, I'm just kidding. I, I, I forgot this tweet existed. I'm, I'm, I'm just playing. I don't feel like the I when people use the term mark and it's derogatory. Um, I feel like the IWC has romanticized it so much that people want to be called marks by wrestlers now. Uh, so I don't feel like it carries any of the weight. I even jokingly call myself a mark every single every. It's my catchphrase for myself. You know what I mean? Yep. Like I don't feel like mark it's a derogatory God. term anymore. Yeah, the full tweet was goodnight Hulkamaniacs and Jabroni Marks without a life that don't know it, a work when you work a work and work yourself into sh- a shoot. Marks. <laughs> so what, what year was it 11 years ago? 2011. 2011. So Hogan was just finishing up a nasty divorce, uh, getting sued, his kids in jail. Mm-hmm. He, it's probably in a bad place. What's the what's the what's what's the date stamp on it, Allison? What month? What day? Does it, it say? It was October sixteenth, two thousand eleven. Okay. Well, hmm. I mean, he was going through some stuff, and I, when you take the the professional business side out of it, I I say a lot that I'm not a Hogan person, but that means professionally speaking, I never wish ill on anybody in their oh, personal never. life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hate it when it comes to stuff like that. So if he was going through something, then that's all like, that's awful. I don't want that to be the case, but I think it's hilarious when wrestlers get mad enough, they start calling us marks because that means we got under their skin a little bit. And these guys are supposed to be ruthless, right? No, yeah, well, that's, that's Terry Bolea hacking Hulk Hogan's uh, Twitter. <laughs> there, you <go. laughs> there you go. Um, My last thing here is Halloween Havoc on Saturday. Is anybody excited? Are y'all excited? We can go through the card just a little bit if y'all want. We don't have to. Um, Dave, you're leaving a space tomorrow for check your temperature for this, man. Go ahead and plug that space real quick. I'll have you plug the rest of your stuff, but go ahead and tell us what you're doing with that because you're that's part of your thing anyways. So. Yeah, I've tried to do one or two spaces a month, mainly if it's a smaller show that I don't want to dedicate an episode to, then I'll do a space for it. Uh, Yeah, uh, this Halloween Havoc is also the first Halloween Havoc they're doing as a premium live event, so they're really trying to make a big deal out of it. Uh, I believe right now we have six matches on the card, and uh, so it's going to be pretty good. Again, we're going to do a space for it tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
hopefully, uh, Will, you'll be able to join me for that. Also, uh, Bob from Back to the Ring will be with there. Nice. He actually, requ- he actually requested to come on because he, uh, especially with Dragunov and uh, JD McDonough, he's a big fan of NXT UK. So all the influence that the NXT UK superstars have on this card, he wanted to add uh, some stuff behind the scenes that he knows that he thought the audience would like to hear about it. But yeah, I'm very intrigued because this is also probably going to be uh, the last hurrah for a lot of people on this card. And I'm very interested to see who uh, Triple H feels coming out of this is ready to come up and get ready for Survivor Series and get ready uh, to have a story building into the Rumble. So it'll be interesting to see. I think we could probably all name one or two each that we think is going to come up. <laughs> but again, we're not in the chair. We're not. My initials aren't Triple H. So I'm interested to see who he thinks is ready to come up. I'm hoping they leave Breaker down there and let him let him get let him keep uh, keep working down there under Sean and keep learning. Um, you know, he, he's great, but I would I'd hate to see him go up to the main roster too early. Well, Bobby, I don't know if you're going to be on the space tomorrow or not, but JD or Ilya, who would you put the belt on then? I I'd keep it on Breaker. Just keep it on him. Yep. Okay. I like JD. Um, he's a Finn Balor guy. Balor pretty much brought him up uh, through uh, Ireland. What was his name before he came over? It was uh, Jordan Devlin. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and Irish Ace. Yeah, the Irish Ace. There you go. I, I'm terrible with names. I have as bad of a memory. Well, that's what that's what that's what the JD stands for. Jordan Devlin McDonough. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I, that's what I was thinking. They were playing off of it. Um, I think both those guys are just crazy workers. Uh, Dragonov's run with Gunther. Uh, were phenomenal matches. One of my match of the year candidates until the FTR match, um, FTR Briscoes. And then uh, looking at it, I'm hyped for Shotsky to be hosting. That's like the perfect like place for her, I feel, is hosting a Halloween Havoc. Um, so I, I think overall, and then putting it in a, a PLE spot on Saturday, um, I think it, it has a mix to be a quality show if done right. And I think they've got enough talent on the card to fill three hours. So I don't think it'll be a problem. I yeah. hope they use the old WCW set. Yeah? Yeah, like make it make it feel like like the old WWF sets were amazing back in the day, like Armageddon and stuff like that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope I hope they really like put in that like that WCW feel of Halloween Habit. I liked yeah. the in your house vibes when they went with the uh, the old in your house uh thing. So maybe there's hope. Yeah, like everything doesn't have to be on the screen. Hey, yeah. thanks for the first time chat from Bammer Chatter. <laughs> <laughs> big shout out to Dave, big yeah. fan, big big yeah. friend of the show. Yeah, I could I couldn't retain the old Twitch because yeah, for all the different reasons, so I had to re had to redo it. So yeah, you got my first time I commented. So that's awesome. <laughs> um, uh, well, did you say that was the last one on your list, Al? Yes. Perfect. Well, gentlemen, I don't get to say this very often, but I'm glad. We're going to move on to the meat and potatoes of the conversation. Uh, Dave, you came on in season one with us. We did a history of the strap, the series where we kind of look at a specific title throughout wrestling history, and we kind of deep dive into that specific time period for that belt. Uh, In true botch bots and chair shots fashion, we did it backwards. We did 01 to 2014. Today, we're doing the Big Gold Belt Volume 2, and we're doing about 1994, roughly, about the time Flair got it all the way through WCW's buyout and Booker T winning the title for the last time. Um, so I'm going to ask you guys right off the start, 
any three of you, if you want to jump in, what are your first thoughts when you think of when I say WCW and the big gold belt? I asked you the same thing to start it last time. I'm going to start it right now. What do you think about the big gold belt during that period of wrestling? You're talking about the early 90s, um, you know, Flair coming in with that big gold belt was, you know, it's it's huge because it jumped from the NWA to WCW. It was representing a whole new company with the same champion. Um, and then Flair, not too long after that, jumped to WWF and the big gold belt went with him. Um, so when you talk about the history of the big gold belt, you know, you got to talk about its short WWF run where WCW was suing WWF for putting it on their TV to where Flair actually had to carry one of the WWF tag team championships out to the ring. And that's what they would blur out. Um, you know, guys like Luger and Sting, Vader, uh, Ron Simmons, uh, you know, during that time period when Flair wasn't there, they didn't get to hold the big gold belt. Like they had this really bad looking WCW belt. It um, kind of looked like one of the tag team titles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was one of those things that I don't think that like any of them during that time period, really get a lot of respect from WCW fans because they were the cha- they were the champ but they weren't holding the championship belt that everybody was so familiar with. I say the belt they were holding did they model that after the pre-winged eagle WWE belt? Yes, that was more the original world championship belt for WCW looked more like Hogan's world title in right. uh you know, WrestleMania three ish type of days. You know what I mean? Right. That old one before yeah. the winged eagle. Yes, sir. That's what, that's what it looked like. Right. Yep. That was yep. the one Rod him and uh, Ron Simmons held in 86 when he won the title was that, that world championship wrestling heavyweight title, not the big gold belt. Right. Yeah. Same. When I first started watching wrestling in 1995, that's the first belt I saw. And uh, so, yeah, that was a, uh, that was a big iconic thing that man. Yeah. That's a prize. That's, that's something you're willing to put your body on the line to be able to hold that thing. And no, no telling how much it weighed and just how beautiful the design was. You could tell somebody took a lot of time on that thing and made it as beautiful as it is. So yeah, it captivated me. I, I wanted my favorites to get a shot at it and I wanted my favorites to win it. So yeah, hands down. One of the reasons I became a wrestling fan is the fact of man, that's a beautiful prize to be won. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to age myself, but, uh, I remember watching uh, old videos and from 86, not that I was actually watching as a kid. Um, I remember when Flair debuted that thing, like when he came out on TV that first time, because everybody had always talked about, um, you know, the, the classic t- uh, 10 pounds mm-hmm. as the thousand dollar belt. Flair came on TV. He's like, yeah, this is a $30,000 belt, you know, custom rubies, diamonds, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, it was a true prize. Like when Rhodes won it, it didn't even look like it belonged on Rhodes. Like Ronnie Garvin won it. It didn't look like it belonged on them. Like it was, that was Ric Flair's belt. It was like, it was like when the million dollar man and that belt was really ugly, brought that championship out. Whenever, whenever anybody else wore it, it just didn't look right. And that's how I think those first like 20 years with Flair and that belt from 86 to on, it just didn't look right when somebody else was wearing it. It's like somebody else wearing the spinner belt, except John Cena. Agreed. Uh, It debuted. Was it at Starcade that year, Bobby in 86? No, it was during the summer. Um, bash it was, the beach. It was right at the beginning of the Great American Bash because uh, he debuted it. I'm looking at my walls trying to think of dates. I think he debuted it in the beginning of the summer, and Dusty won it like two months later in July and then lost it 14 days later um, in August. And I promise you, I'm actually not even looking at my screen. I'm looking in my head right now at these dates. So, yeah, the Great American Bash. It was the Great American Bash that year. 
Ric Flair wrestled on every single Great American Bash and defended the title every single night of that event. So he was a uh, he, and that was near the end when he lost to Dusty. We keep in mind the original Great American Bash, those first few years as well, they were massive summer tours. So it wasn't just one pay-per-view. They would do a months-long set of shows, and they would run shows, and then they would do the big go-home pay-per-view show on a Sunday night to end the tour. So you would see four or five different versions of the Great American Bash card throughout the tour building up to the big one at the end of it. That would be the pay-per-view. I thought that was a cool idea, and house shows is something you don't see a lot of these days anyways. Yeah, 85 and 86, the Great American Bashes were every night for the entire summer. Like, it was a 90-day thing. Um, you know, Dusty had gotten stuff, like, where it was also, like, a country uh, music festival, too. So you'd watch the bash. You'd see, I think, David Allen Coe was a big uh, singer part of it. Um, and, yeah, like, Flair, I remember in 86, he wrestled everybody. Like, he wrestled, you know, um, Dusty. He wrestled Nikita. He wrestled um, Morton. uh you know, everybody and anybody that was in the wrestling business, he wrestled in the NWA um, at those house shows. And that was the same year that Magnum and uh, Nikita were doing the best of seven series. And before internet, I'm watching a best of seven and I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, Nikita just took the lead. But you go to TV and I, you, once you start reading the magazines, they did this best of seven series, like 30 matches, right. but you only pay attention to what the TV had. Uh, I agree with I agree with Marie. If I could pick any belt to have a replica of, it's the big gold belt. I was Not gonna, even close. I was going to give her a shout yeah. out for Ric Flair. I know he's at the top of her goat list. Um, that was the first thing she said was in WCW, it goes straight to the big gold belt and Ric Flair every time. Um, looking at some of the guys who held this belt the most. So we've already touched on Flair. He held the big gold belt in WCW eight times. Um, historic run, always the best. If you look at some of the runs he did, he got it vacated, and then he went through. Then he lost it at Bash of the Beach in 1994 to a newcomer to WCW, relatively fresh at least, in uh, a Hulk Hogan. Uh, this was his first title run, 469 days. Hogan's first two title runs equated to over, I think it was close to 900 days, if I remember right, on his first two title runs. Um, so throw in your last two cents on flair, uh, because we're about to hop into Bobby's dream show. Rick flair is the, uh, you know, I know a lot of people say stings the face of WCW. I think it's Rick flair just because Sting didn't jump, uh, to anywhere else until the uh, place went under. When I think WCW, when I think the NWA, I think Rick flair, like he is the quintessential bad guy, world heavyweight champion. Um, and was a bad guy for so long that it took another bad guy with Terry Funk to turn him into a face. And I know the Horsemen had fans, but Ric Flair and those guys were the Horsemen, and they they ran the place. So I think a lot of it's when you start watching it. When I hear NWA, I think Ric Flair. Uh, when I when I when I hear WCW, I think Sting. Not only because of the of the longevity, and like you said, not only did he not jump. But Flair had already become in as a bona fide megastar. Sting was made a star within WCW. So basically, you could say he rose up as the homegrown talent and put it on his shoulders and said, this is my company. Whereas Flair came in and gave him the rub to be able to do that. Uh, but 100%, I agree with you. Ric Flair, 
Um, he's not my favorite of all time. I wouldn't even put him as the greatest of all time, but you can't argue if you put him in the greatest of all time, I'm not going to debate with you in terms of on the mic, uh, in ring work. Uh, of course, being a 16 time world champion when in fact, he's actually held like 24 titles uh, across <laughs> different promotions, but we're not going to get into that. That'll make people's heads hurt. But, but yeah, just, I mean, arguably the creator of the greatest faction of all time, which broke ground for every faction that ever came after them. Any, any great faction has looked at the four horsemen and said, what did they do right that we should do within our group? And so, yeah, for, for, for real, for Ric Flair, bonafide star. I, I, I just wish the only, the only thing is I wish when Sean said, I'm sorry, I love you. That was it. That's the only thing I wish. Yeah. Um, Allison, let me ask you a question. Okay, you've, I, I say this a lot, and uh, I mean it lovingly. You've been watching wrestling the least amount of time. You did, however, have a chance to see Ric Flair's final match this past July in Nashville. Um, having seen some of the old Flair stuff in the NWA when I gave you your wrestling crash course versus what we saw in 2022, what are your opinions on Ric Flair as a young wrestling fan? I mean, if you take out... Ric Flair, the person <laughs> from the equation. Problem I mean, is, problem is that that is Ric Flair, the person. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, I get yeah. It. He's yeah. out of range. Terrible things that we know now. Yeah. I mean, I really like watching old Ric Flair matches. To me, like, and y'all can hate on this all you want, but to me, he were like. Seth Rollins reminds me a lot of Ric Flair. Bobby, let me tell you why. Like, from from the things that I've seen and the difference of that I've watched, like, Flair was that guy to that, like, was okay with not always having to win. You know what I mean? And that's kind of the role that Seth plays. Seth is the most losingest wrestler of all of WWE, he's lost like more matches. I think they said than all of the other wrestlers combined this year. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, like that's I find them to be very similar. Um, I I don't know. I I like Flair as a wrestler. As a person, he's kind of trash. Um, seeing his last match was really cool. Um, we, Will and I did see him walking around in person, like beforehand at the convention and who, like he was looking rough. Yeah, he was, he was, yes, the night before, but like, that's Ric Flair. Yeah. Yeah. For what he loves his kamikazes. <laughs> for what he's done for wrestling, like you can't take that away like with all the shitty shit that he's done like you can't we wouldn't have wrestling as it is without rick flair those are I'll big what, words those yeah, are real I, big words i'm pretty cold-hearted but uh I, when i when i was married when flair retired that first time after the sean match and the next night on raw when they did that retirement ceremony my wife came in the room and i'm like legit like crying and she's like what happened? Did he, did he die? Did he die? I was like, <laughs> I know. It was, I was like, he, no, he's retiring. She's like, what the fuck? And smack, or what, the, what the heck? And smack me on the back of the head. <laughs> Bobby, you can say the F word. I've got the Eve on he, this for, he, for... He 
said the other, she said the F word. Oh, dude, like, yeah, yeah, dude, no lie. When Rick, when Triple H yelled out all the members of the Horsemen and that music hit, I had full chills all over the place. And funny enough, Allison makes a really good point because, again, this may not be updated, but I believe from 2019 to 2021, I, it may have changed since then. But guess who's lost more matches in the WWE in those three years? Seth Rollins. Nope. Who? Who? Charlotte Flair. Really? Like, oh, like, yeah. like, 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 like father, like daughter. She loses and gets over. <laughs> See, this yeah, is the, the big thing about the Rollins thing. And I knew this because I jumped in uh, and did an article a few weeks ago. Shout out to the Botchbots of Chair Shots blog is Seth Rollins, the Babe Ruth of professional baseball. And in that argument, I explained because Babe Ruth hit a home run for every two strikeouts, he had a home run. And that's a ridiculous statistic in a professional baseball player. And I used that as an analogy for Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins can take a ton of L's and still be over to the point that he doesn't have to win all the time. He's he actually, just needs one home run a quarter. Well, he's one also home run a quarter. Yeah. 500 on his, on his winning averages. And I think it was something ridiculous, like 1,500 matches won, 1,556 lost. Like, that's how close he is to perfect split. But the interesting fact about Seth is if you take all of those title reigns with all of those losses, he's held a title more than 50% of the man's career, and he hadn't held a title since, like, 2018 in WWE. And then... And it, it, yeah, we called it last two years like his best work. Yeah, they're without a belt at all. He's one of the guys that yeah. we say is bigger than the title. Seth Rollins is 100. He's a Becky Lynch. Um, he's a... That's why I married her. Yeah, he's a, <laughs> you know, he's almost like a, a Kenny Omega in the AEW side. Like somebody who's bigger than a title. I know you're not a Kenny O fan, Allison. Right. I'll get you over before Wrestle Kingdom, okay? I'll, I'll have you watch like Kenny Omega from like 2014 and you'll be like, holy yeah. oh, shit, this guy can work. Have Which, to go back and watch people in New Japan to appreciate them now. Then are they even that good? You sound like one? Matt Ritter when you say that. That is exactly verbatim some shit Ritter has said to me. Kenny Omega can work, but can he sell? Yeah. What what match, <laughs> what match should I watch of Kenny Omega's to really like become a fan? Is it? Him against the blow up doll, or him against the kid, <laughs> like like which, which or the invisible man, like which one? Which one's gonna really get me hooked? Oh my gosh! I the funny thing is, Ethan Page is on a short list for me of wrestlers I won't cover because I watched him wrestle himself in a match once, and I was like, nope, never gonna do this. And when he kicked the the Italian spinny pizza Luigi guy, um, <laughs> when, Luigi, when Good he job. kicked Luigi, uh, I was like, hey. Maybe the Adam Page is taking wrestling a little bit That's more seriously. Um, so I'm going to just just say it. Guys, um, we have to talk about Hogan. Uh, he won the first title, Bash <laughs> at the Beach, 1994. You can't talk about the big gold belt in WCW without talking about Hogan. Uh, let's talk about some of the, the high points of this because he carried the belt for well over a year and then dropped it to the Giant. During that title reign, though, it was, like, massive. Like, he had mm -hmm. lots of big matches and everything. So what about Hogan's first title reign comes to mind in that 95 range? 94, was, 95. Yeah, this this was Hogan coming back um, to wrestling. He'd been gone for, like, a year and a half, doing a really bad TV show. Um, then he comes back to WCW, and he lights the world on fire again. His song was... I. His All-American song on WCW, I hated it. It was yep. terrible. 
Um, he was he lost a lot of weight. Obviously, this is after the steroid trial in WWF. Um, you know, he was he was a different Hogan, and it to me this was the first time I felt like Terry Bollea was playing Hulk Hogan instead of actually being Hulk Hogan. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. So um, the reign actually wasn't that impressive to me. Like he had a huge feud with the Dungeon of Doom. Um, that just felt so, it just felt so fake. Like it, it felt 1980s WWF fake, like, and WCW, that's not what WCW was about at that point in time. Like they were the real wrestling federation and WWF was the fake one. Uh, so he brought, he brought that sports entertainment, uh, to WCW and, um, you know, and, and he started bringing over the rejects. Like, you know, you started having earthquake come over, um, you know, you started having boss man come over and all these, uh, you know, guys beefcake obviously but it was the shot in the arm that wcw needed uh to get them to that next level because you know rick flair at this day and age is i would say just as popular as hulk hogan like a lot of people know who flair is now because of these rappers and all this other stuff that they're doing but back then yes rick flair was big to wrestling fans he but he was hulk hogan yeah he wasn't worldwide this time hulk hogan came in and made wcw worldwide yeah, th- this was the first Hogan I ever saw. Uh, like I said, started watching 1995 was the first time I ever saw it. We'll turn it in on a episode of Nitro. This lean, mean, 275-pound, red and yellow-wearing guy and uh, came down with that big gold belt over his shoulder. And so that was first Hulk Hogan I ever saw. And it was a uh, – larger than life is an understatement when it comes to Hulk Hogan. He, he just has this presence, and it's amazing. I, the one thing I was talking to – I forgot who it was. I think it was Apron. I was on his show. We, oh, yeah, we were doing Bash at the Beach 1995. And um, we were talking about the Hogan versus Vader match. And I said, it's amazing to me how Hulk Hogan literally only has four legit moves. Everything else is in between the moves, but he doesn't need to do anything else because with facial expressions and, and taking the beating from the other guy, he just draws you into the story of the match. And it's something that, you know, over time, I think a lot of people started – understanding that that's one of the reasons why he's up in that goat list on most people's Mount Rushmore is the way he would make you cheer for him. Even at sometimes when you didn't want to, even when you legitimately wanted the other guy to possibly get the win here, by the end of the match, you were for Hulk Hogan because he just had that ability to make you want to watch him win that match. And so it's just such a, I think an under, under, underappreciated art that he had and appreciated talent he had more than the 24 inch pythons and more than the, you know, the, the brother, brother and all the other stuff. Once he got in the ring, the dude knew how to tell a story. And that that's one thing I can't, I don't appreciate a lot about Hulk Hogan, but that's one thing I absolutely appreciate about Hulk Hogan is the greatest of all time. In my opinion, are the greatest, are the best storytellers. Yeah. And he can sell like it, yeah. he's really under on selling. Like if you watch a Hogan match, you know, even like before that in the eighties, he sold most of the match. Like he was, and you know, he was calling the match. Yeah. Like the whole, dude, hit, me the, hit me again. Hit me again. One of the faces that called matches and got the other guys, like who would have King Kong Bundy as a main eventer, big John stud as a main eventer, like never would have happened without Hulk Hogan. The Agreed. earthquake never would have happened. Um, so Hogan knows how to put guys over and he knows how to make money. And you know what? If you're that good, I don't care about the political stuff you do backstage or what's happening in your personal life. I'm looking at Hulk Hogan, the character, and that guy was huge everywhere he went. Ray Lewis is still in the NFL Hall of Fame. OJ Simpson is in the NFL Hall of Fame. 
Doesn't have a Heisman anymore, though. This, this is <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Did, did they did they ever give Reggie Bush his back? They did not. They vacated they did that not. from the records. Okay. Uh, so we're gonna look that 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 title reign for Hogan as you know the the red and yellow Hogan was historic. One of his longer ones. He's one of the longest reigning WWE WWF champions as well. Uh, when he lost the belt, he lost it to the Giant, and then there was this whole issue with a disqualification, and then it ended up to a vacancy. Then mm-hmm. what happened in 95 was World War Three, which was the first time it was three big rings, the whole oh, yeah. 60-man. Exactly. We get to talk about him. Uh, Mr. Randy Savage, he and I both share the same birthday, 11-15. Um, what were your guys' opinions on Randy Savage as a, a world champion? Loved it. Loved it. You talk about a guy that, um, I'll quote Bobby the Brain Heenan, Savage never stops. That is the epitome of him in the ring. From the moment that bell rings, he is always moving. If you knock him down, he wilds in pain. When he gets back up, he charges at you. You knock him down again, he scrambles for a rope. You never see him lay still ever in a match. He's always moving. And, and that's what I love. That's what I love about it. He's so tenacious. I mean, arguably, I think I think Will, you said at one time his finisher is the greatest finisher of all time. I mean, I, I think that flying elbow is a thing of beauty. Uh, when he won that match and and showed up the next night on Nitro wearing that belt with taped up ribs and half his body head to toe in traction, but he still had that body. He saw that belt over his shoulder. I'm like, I don't care how hurt you are, man. You deserve every single ounce of this right now. And uh, I'm the one of the first Nitros I can remember as a kid is when he defended it against Lex Luger on a Nitro. Lex Luger had, didn't have an ounce of injury on him, and Savage was half dead. And Savage still took him for 20 minutes. It was an amazing, amazing spectacle to watch Macho Man uh, as a world champion. In my opinion, if he ain't a, if he ain't at least in your top 20, go watch some more matches because Macho Man's amazing. He's yeah, one. I totally agree. I'd, I'd say top 15 with Savage, at least. Um, he's I'm one okay of those yeah, didn't we, I think, Will, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Mount Rushmore's, how nobody ever puts Savage on that Mount Rushmore. I'm a Savage and- guy. He's like number five or six on my list. And it's funny that we did. We just talked about this, how he's one of the greatest talkers of all time, one of the greatest workers of all time. You know, everything about him, the way he presented himself as a champion, he could always recreate himself with the king gimmick. And then, you know, the cowboy hat, Bobby, the same stuff we were talking about a few weeks ago. But nobody ever says he's the greatest of all time. And I always Do you think go, it's you think it's the same thing as Brett and Sean? They're just workers and everybody remembers them as workers and not as larger than life characters? I think all I think all of them get overshadowed by somebody. Like yeah. Savage definitely overshadowed by Hogan. Um, you know, when you talk about um, you know, the Sting versus Flair, people put Flair on that Mount Rushmore, but not Sting. So I think Sting gets overshadowed by Flair. Um so I think, you know, I Piper would get overshadowed by Hogan at the same time so you know i think it's who you're working with that's why it's so unique when people put the rock and austin on their mount rushmores because the guys worked at the same time against each other and there wasn't a true number one uh number one number two spot so you know that that, that's that's where i think savage uh kind of drops off of it but like savage you gotta remember he got he gets basically let go from wwe he doesn't he doesn't resign a con disappears off raw Vince McMahon is so hurt by it. He actually uh, like says Randy Savage best of luck on Monday Night Raw. Like he said, "Hey, 
we couldn't sign Savage. Best of luck to him. Um, he came over with a chip on his shoulder to prove that he wasn't too old, that he could still do this. The, and Savage WCW run, you know, for incredible. those five or six years were some of the best of his career. Yes. Uh, he wasn't medically cleared for a while, right? The WWE doctors wouldn't give him a medical clearance, and that was one of the reasons why Vince wouldn't let him back in the ring, um, if I remember and, right. Right, and then they had the resurgence of the new generation era, so Vince is like, I'm going young. You're too old, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah and but he's on like 40. Like, And now if you look at the WWE roster, half the guys there are over 40. Yep. Allison, what do you think about Macho Man? I love him. You do? do he's you? one of one of my favorites, and it's not just because I love Slim Jims. <laughs> but, best commercials ever, ever. Yeah, and and he's still on the boxes. You still see him on some. Still, and they now have yeah. like a special like savage flavor. Um, but isn't it fun colors that they use? They're it's purple and yellow. No, red and yellow. No, it's purple. The savage, the, the savage one is purple one and yellow. Purple. Okay, okay, I'll give her that. Are y'all talking about Slim Jims? Yeah, yep. I think I, I just said in the chat that Sting is overrated to Ravage Dragon. Um, because I said it on your uh, the right. we did it on the uh, the episode the other day, um, and then Kyle just re Kyle just retyped it again and said Sting is overrated. We we all agree he's had. No, yet that's Will. That's Will. Oh, yeah. that's you. Yeah, oh, I'm, okay. on, yeah I'm on the smack draw, the the Twitch. Oh, tonight. okay. Yeah. Well, we all agree he had a very romanticized body of work, but again, the reason he's held in such high esteem is because of what he did for WCW, especially against the up and coming Attitude Era WWF. So, let me ask you guys a question. Uh, Randy Savage had the belt it vacated. He got it. Flair got it back, back forth, back to the giant. Um, there was a lot of changing hands. Uh, these stories were uh, bouncing around, Starcade, stuff like that. When we look at WCW as a wrestling company, we see territories. When you think WCW, though, and you connect it with a city, what city do you think of with WCW? Atlanta, Georgia. Do you always go to Atlanta, Georgia? Atlanta, yeah. Georgia. Yeah. I'd say Atlanta, number one. Flair, Flair era, Charlotte. Yeah. But uh, WCW, yeah, Atlanta. You always go to Tampa a little bit. A lot. Of, some of their pay-per-views were in Tampa. Yeah, but that's why they did Hogan Goldberg in right. Atlanta. Right. The, uh, the the reason why I ask is because with the WCW absorbing the NWA and everything that happened, historically, you look at Georgia Championship Wrestling, you look at Mid-South, Memphis, you yep. look at uh, Florida Championship Wrestling, all of these southern territories. Do you think that Turner and company tried to use as much of that influence coming out of the territories with the way they booked a lot of these uh, these pay-per-views and stuff? Because with the exception of your random Sturgis or your Havocs out in you know Las Vegas or outside of Reno and stuff, you see a lot of stuff booked in the American Southeast. Do you think this is all a marketing ploy to ride on the coattails of the NWA because they had such a strong following in those territories? I think it was. I think it was also. Sorry, Bobby. I think it was also a biggest pushback to the fact of what Vince had just done to the territories. And if WCW is the up and coming, we're going to take it to them. Or we're going to go on Nitro the same time as as Raw is, and we're going to then 
branch out and do all these things. I think that's basically saying, hey, you can keep your kingdom up in New York. What you did to us isn't going to fly. We're going to rally and do everything we can to keep the South alive, and we'll take it right back at you. Yeah, and I like I I think when the Hogan era came in, I I think that's when they really started branching out to you know past these southern territories. Like you know they had you know events in Michigan and South Dakota um, and all these you know different places. You know Florida is always a big uh, Florida, New York are big mainstays for pro wrestling. Like it's the big shows. It's got big money um, at both of those. You know you've got the loyal crowds in the southern uh, southern areas. You know Alabama, Georgia, the Carolinas, and Virginia. Like they're always going to draw. And right. if you're if you're Southern wrestling, and I think that's one of the things though, when Hogan came in, you'll notice the Virginia pay-per-views started to go away, the North Carolina ones though, because those were the hardcore wrestling fans that, hey, you know what, WCW and WWF are fake. And now I'm watching all these WWF guys on my WCW. And I think, you know, I know the ratings were huge, but I think that ratings was new new people watching it, along with the WWF fans that were watching i think the nwa wcw fans i think they really started dropping off during the like 95 96 period hmm. allison you got well, to see jim crockett promotions once again at the rick flair thing and uh that was in municipal auditorium in nashville that was kind of a wrestling hub and a lot of times it held a lot of starcades in nashville through that building you had a chance to see JCP put on the last match in a very 1980 studio set. You also had a chance to see AEW Dynamite put on one of the biggest produced live shows in wrestling. What did you think about the two very drastic style differences between the two shows, but having a chance to see them in such an important wrestling venue for the city? Honestly, like, the Ric Flair match, like... It was way cooler just because, like, of what it was. Um, the crowd was super pumped. That arena was filled. Um, for Dynamite, the crowd was meh. And the arena was not filled. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure I could really compare them. Although, like, a lot of AEW guys were on the card for rick flair like i don't know it just it felt even though i didn't know a lot about jcp like it felt nostalgic like you could feel it like people were pumped you know you had you know undertaker there and brett was there and mick foley was there like all these people were there like watching this moment like charlotte was there but like she couldn't be seen because you know contracts mm -hmm. but you know it was really cool you know AEW was mm, if it had maybe been an AEW pay-per-view it may have been different um but yeah i mean it was just cool something that she said just crossed my mind when's the last time before that show that the name in the main event sold out the arena. <clears throat> I can't remember. I, I can't remember one. Maybe not since Good Grief. Maybe not since the the Ruthless Aggression era when John Cena had just become a big big deal and his name in the main event sold out the arena. Maybe like in a Boston or something. But the fact of that, Ric Flair will be there wrestling. That's all you need to know. If that had been the only match on the card, that arena would have been sold out. When's the last time you could say that? 
Actually, you know what? I could say this year, WrestleMania tickets weren't hot until Stone Cold said. That's a gonna- good point. That's so a he- good point. And we didn't know he was going to wrestle either. We just knew he was going to be there. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, but once once he made that announcement, those tickets started selling, selling, selling. Well, they sold out the asylum and the fairgrounds was the initial venue where they were going to do it. And they sold out so quickly, they moved it to municipal and then sold out wow. municipal within a couple, within probably the first week of them being on sale the second time, they were sold out again. Wasn't that yeah. right? Wow. When we went, wow. though. To get the tickets. Because I got the tickets when it was at the fairgrounds. Like, I literally sat there at work, like, just waiting and to get the tickets. And, like, I got them and my other buddy in the office, he didn't get them. Wow. And we were on at the same time. Wow. I know we got to continue, but that brings up a question I have to ask you guys. If The Rock doesn't show up, after these record-breaking sales for WrestleMania, what the heck is going to happen with all those tickets? You mean for 39? Mm-hmm. He's not coming till 40. There's no way. Apparently, over 150,000 people think he is. Wow. <laughs> I read, and it might be just rumors on the sheets, but I think it was maybe one of the, like, the sports kitas or one of those kinds of peoples in the world. They were saying that... The Rock has said that he's got obligations all the way through April in quarter one. So there isn't a lot of available time to do any kind of story build. So it would almost be he would just have to show up and be like, here's a WrestleMania match, you know? Like, not to say it would would have to be all satellite feed. Yeah, Yeah. it would all have to be built up with like vignettes and stuff because he wouldn't be able to be live. But if he's in ring shape, it's not going to take out of the question of a possibility of him showing up. I just don't feel like 39 is the one where you would want to use that pop. I feel like rounding out on a good even 40 would make sense for that one. But and it's it's in Hollywood. It's in Hollywood. But That's- he doesn't live there. He lives in Atlanta. And we know that Roman's not going to lose the belt before then. They've already all but said that. And we, yeah. they, it won't be a title match because they won't, they, they can't have Roman beat the. It's going to be this whole mess. Um, I personally think The Rock shows up at forty. That would be my bet. So you talk about him not being able to make appearances. Stone Cold didn't make appearances. True. You saw Ranch. You there? Look, Stone Cold, Rock, Hogan, uh, even a uh, Cena. They're so big, they don't have to be in the arena. Like, yeah, the fans love it when they pop in. But you just put their name and like that tease, like even the year that uh, Cena went against Undertaker at Mania, people were excited just because Cena was going to be there. Like he wasn't full time anymore. Um, there's some guys that are bigger than the sport, yeah. And for the guys that have gone beyond WWE and gone beyond pro wrestling, that if you just say their name, you're something's going to happen. It's it's like the whole thing with um, WrestleMania the first one when they said Muhammad Ali was going to be there. He was wow. such a huge draw. Yeah. He didn't have to do any promos or anything. He really couldn't at that point in time in his life. But Bobby, yeah. can I clarify something? What? I'm not saying that The Rock has to do vignettes to get over. What I'm saying is the man is fucking busy. <laughs> like He's got a lot going on. <laughs> so, it still has to be a, a story. For him to go against Roman, they have to build some kind of story because they are family. So there has to be a reason, you know what I mean? So they, even if he's not there doing vignettes 
and promo. It, it, they still need to build the story of like Roman has fucked up so much, has fucked the bloodline up so fucking much Language. that The Rock has to come in and do whatever. You know what I mean? Like there has to be some kind of fucking story. I mean, they've already done it in a junket interview. The woman who was interviewing him said, hey, um, I got something to ask you. Who's the travel chief? And he said, who's the travel chief? Lady, you're talking to him. All Roman has to do is go in the air and go, excuse me, Dwayne, what did you say? I'll see yeah. you. In, I'll see you in Hollywood, buddy. Done. Yeah. Done. And they played that same junket tour. Another guy asked him if he, if he acknowledged him. And if you watch the rock show, which I hope you don't lose that bet and have to watch that show. But if you watch, <laughs> Good show. There's, there's an interaction with them on there with Dewey. Roman. And, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, this, you know, we'll save it for WrestleMania or something like that. So they're planting the seeds. So this could just be a long term story that the blow off, like, you've got to, like, like the rabbit, you've got to, like, look at the clues to get to the blow off. I mean, 100%. I agree with Allison. I want a story. I want interaction of some kind. Unfortunately, I feel like we're at that age in the business, like Bobby said. Even we, even though we know there's no way The Rock is winning, even though we know Roman would not drop the title, even though we know there doesn't need to be much of a build, all you have to do is put on the marquee, Roman Reigns, Rock, nothing else needed. It's done. That's all you have to do. And I, I as a wrestling fan, I hate that because I live for the story. But unfortunately, those two names, that's all you have to do. Well, gentlemen, I hate to rain on this parade, but this is a conversation about the big gold belt. Hey, The Rock held the big gold belt. <laughs> um, let's look at 1996 and Bash at the Beach, what happened there with the infamous Hogan turn. I'm pretty sure all four of us would put it up there with one of the biggest hill turns of all time when he joins the Outsiders. He's the third man on their team. Uh, that is the build that goes to his second title reign of almost a whole nother year. And... This is when the first time he won the title over the Giant and he took the spray paint and he spray painted the letters NWO. Dave, as a guy who was watching wrestling as a kid at this point, you and I are close to the same age. What was your first thought when Hogan turned heel and then you saw him spray paint the NWO letters on the title belt? Two words and I can't say them because of my faith and because of inappropriateness. <laughs> I, I, I was I, I was legit fuming, dude. I was fuming. Ric Flair had held it. Sting had held it. Savage had held it. Red and Yellow Hogan had held it. This is the most prestigious, beautiful title, and you're spray painting it. This isn't the underneath part of a of an interstate. This isn't the side of a broken down ransackle building. This is the most beautiful, prestigious belt in the business, and you're spray painting it like it means nothing. And then saying this isn't even the world championship. It's the new world order belt. Hogan, what the heck are you doing? He got me. He got me. Hated him with a passion. Loved him, loved him, loved him. And within 30 days, hated him and wish I'd never saw him. Bobby, what you that's magic. What'd you think about the Hogan turn? Oh man, it killed me. Like I'm a Hawkamaniac and he gets in the ring with mean Gene and tells us to suck it. Like it's like it was incredible. Like I was watching my hero like become this other person that I'd never seen before. I wasn't, you know, I his heel turn in the early 80s that was before i started watching wrestling i didn't i didn't know he was ever a heel like i've only known the all-american hero ua and the wwf 
And to see that, it was like, man. Um, but it became so cool. I fell back in love with him. Like, it was just like the black and white vignettes with him and Nash and Hall. Like, it just, it was cool. And it's kind of funny because as you're watching it, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a little bit older at this point, you know, 96. You're a lot of, I was, you know, you're 96 years old. You're old as fuck. <laughs> Shut up. Um, but in 96 compared to 86, I was like starting to watch this. I was like, well, wait a second. I was like, Nash and Hall are kind of cool. And Hawk's not really all that cool. By and, association, he is. <laughs> well, yeah. by 96, he was the old guy anyways. I was, like, he didn't so, have a chance. Yeah. 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 But then looking back, it's like, well, that's what Dusty Rhodes did his entire, you know, last like 20 years in the in the business. Was Don't you speak up. a foul word of the Dusty Rhodes on my show. The mm. American dream is a, a, ooh, he's up there. You leave that man alone, sir. And you'll have hard times. Yeah. Dusty, Dusty invented it. And Hogan perfected it with tagging on to the younger guys, the more over guys, to keep your name relevant. That's what he did in the NWO. Uh, Dusty did that. Dusty even tried to. Dusty even tried to join the NWO. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, this this run for Hogan. This was the hottest WCW was. Um, you know, this this was what you know the what is it eighty four weeks or eighty six weeks or whatever it is. Eighty three like, weeks. You almost got it right. Hey, bro. K so smart. Kayfabe. 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 Kayfabe died hey, in the hey, 90s. Brother. Kayfabe died Did with the steroids. Did you cry, though, Bobby, when he turned? Did you cry? No, I didn't cry. I did. I don't think I cried. I don't remember crying when he turned heel. Um, I remember crying the night Owen Hart died. Like, I just remember, like, panicking because I didn't know what was happening. I was, like, 13 years old. And like it was a big deal because I was watching the pay per view live the night it happened. Um, I don't, I don't think there. I didn't cry the night Hogan turned. Um, well, let me take that back. I didn't cry. The, I didn't cry the night Hogan turned or the night after. I fumed when he spray painted the belt. I did. I distinctly remember I did cry when the New World Order lured Sting into the ring and they ambushed him like twelve to one. That's yeah. yeah they they beat him within an inch of his life in the ring. And I was bawling my eyes out because Sting was my guy. So. Um, Stink held the belt six times, the same as Hogan. Um, I want to get to one thing before we dive into to Sting, though. How many, What's up? How many days did Sting hold it? Uh, I, I don't care. I think Sting is maybe the most overrated male wrestler to ever do it. But Shut we, your mouth. I know. Bam, I love you. You're my brother. But I, <laughs> Sting... Even more overrated than the Young Bucks? Uh, no. Are they even rated? The, are they, are they rated? I was going to say, are they even rated? I don't yeah. even need to say anything to that. Uh, what did you guys think about Lex Luger winning the title belt over Hogan on Nitro when he finally derailed Hogan in the NWO? WCW came out. They finally got their win. Uh, NWO had been running rampant all the way through the program. They had done, by this point, they had already done, uh, sold out the first NWO branded pay-per-view. They were trying to get their own show on the air with an unofficial brand split. But when Lex Luger secured that victory on Nitro, what was it like to have a chance for WCW to have their belt back? I watched it, I watched it live, and I promise you the next-door neighbors heard me. I, I went nuts, dude. I was so excited to see that happen. And then all, all the 
all that when all the talent flood the ring, when the referees come out, when the agents come out, when the when, when, I think I, I, I think I think JJ Dillon, who was the commissioner at the time, I think even he came out. It was like the entire company's like, finally we got one back. And I, that's what so that's what sold it for me. It wasn't just a solitary, oh Lex Luger did it. They made it they made it literally like WCW, the company got a win tonight. That was huge. I was so excited. Yeah, it was the faces and the heels all coming all coming together. Like yeah. as a company, um, Bama, you're probably used to like you probably saw like what happened at the Tennessee game when they all charged the field. Oh, which by <laughs> the way, which by the way, Will, I just sent you a picture on Twitter. You're gonna love it. Live yeah, reaction like, right now. Yeah, but yeah, like that that was amazing. Like that was, and I didn't see it happening because yeah, Luger was over, but I didn't see him Hulk Hogan over or <laughs> World <laughs> Alabama making home field improvements. Yeah, they put up two more goalposts. <laughs> It'll help you guys out. It'll help you win. That oh game. no, four more. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, Bobby, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're. Yeah, I, like I said, I didn't. I didn't see Luger. I didn't see Luger as championship material at that point in time. And uh, for that win, and especially to win on the with the torture rack, like pretty clean. Very few. Like he's part of a handful of guys that can say I beat Hulk Hogan clean in the middle of the ring. Yeah, he even said on an interview he he didn't know till that day they were gonna do that. Hogan Hogan said they need a hope spot, they need something, so we're gonna we're gonna let you be the guy. And arguably, watching religiously like I did that that summer, building up to Road Wild, Luger was red hot. The fans were fervently behind him. Every week he was racking another member of the NWO, and then he'd rack Bagwell, or not Bagwell, he'd rack, he'd rack Nash, then he'd rack Hall the next week, then he got his hands on Savage, then he got his hands on Conan, and then he almost got Hogan, and Hogan dodged him. And for 30 days, Hogan dodged him. And then J.J. Dillon came out and said, Hogan, under contract, you have to defend that title within 30 days. Next week on Nitro is 30 days. We are going to have the championship match. Luger will challenge you next week on nitro and the nwo are barred from ringside so it was it was a big deal yeah this was this was a great payback i think too for luger in his career because he got brought up the wwf to be the hogan replacement yes and he do it he couldn't live up to it you know it was too big of like shoes to fill you know when he first came into the nwa he got thrown in the horseman like he's in the most elite group and he's green as green can be and luger to come this far in his career within 10 years to defeat Hulk Hogan, to be the man. Um, I know this isn't his first championship, but this, I think, was his first time actually being over to the extent that he was. And I think this was the most over he was ever in his career. And when he won it in 1992, he was too young. They should have waited at least another year or two on him. Do you think Lex Luger is one of those guys that were not over because he was a super great worker, but more so because he was just a specimen of a specimen of a man. Like his physique was the big, like kind of like an ultimate warrior almost. That like, and that, that that and his natural daggum strength. He could pick up and rack anybody. Let's, so he did. Won, he put yeah. Yokozuna in a torture rack. Let's not yes, forget he did. that happened, guys. Yokozuna yes, was did. 500 pounds and this dude yes, picked him did. up in a fireman carry. Allison, yes, are you I drinking did. vodka? When no, Luger- I'm drinking Diet Coke. Oh. Uh-huh. When he was in NWA, WCW, he was the biggest guy in there. I think he got exposed when he went to WWF that he was no longer the biggest guy. Like, he looked right. Just, and um, so that that wasn't going to replace Hogan. The WWF run was a failure because he's trying to replace Hogan. The 92, I think, was a failure championship because he's replacing Flair. So 
he's replacing the two biggest guys and the two biggest companies. And I think it took until 97 for him to come into his own to where he could be that guy. And, you know, backstage, you hear a lot of stories about Luger not being a likable guy. Um, but now, you know, due to all his health uh, things, I've met him a couple of times. He's, he's a really cool guy to talk to. He's, a, he's a, He actually is a really, really cool guy. I, he actually signed a picture for me of him holding the WWF championship. That one time at the TV taping, they had him come out with the belt uh, just to test run and see what people were uh, going to do with him in WWF. Yeah, he's a brother in Christ now. Sting, Sting actually led him to Christianity, so I'm really glad to call him a brother. And Allison, I just sent you part two of the match that we're talking about. When you get have time, go watch it. I'm telling you, the emotion is so real. The fans went nuts. They they I were watched this one. Oh my gosh, they they were rabid that night. That that I can't. I don't think that building has a roof anymore. That it was crazy to watch the reaction when he got that belt only to lose it for, what six days later five days Hogan. yeah when yeah because he dropped it back to hogan and uh thank you for doing my job because that's the perfect segue dave um you're welcome he dropped the belt back to hogan after five days when they went to uh road wild not hog wild uh really similar pay-per-view names uh then hogan dropped it to sting so we get to sting as the icon that he is in professional wrestling and i jokingly say he's overrated uh, Dave, you and I talked the other night on when we were doing this or that. Uh, in WCW, he's kind of up there. He's the guy. A lot of people say when you think WCW, I, 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 I'll say number one. You put him up there at the top of the list as a champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about Sting in two versions before he was the Crow Sting, and then after he made the switch in WCW when he made his return? So let's kind of deep dive into the Sting side of this real quick and kind of talk okay. about Steve and Sting and two entities. Yeah, again, 1995. So the first Sting I saw was flat top, blonde, wearing all the colors, high energy, Stinger Splash about knocked the guy through the turnbuckle, Scorpion Deathlock done with intensity, screaming woo, which he stole from Ric Flair, but he did it differently. But he, but, uh, but doing that, just getting the crowd hyped up and behind him, every match he's in, you know it's going to steal the show because Sting just had that knack to do that. It, it was, it was, it was so easy to love him. He was, he was a great babyface, and he was the flag bearer for WCW. He defended it against the Horsemen. He he defended it against the Dungeon of Doom. He defended it against all these up and coming factions. He was a gatekeeper. The new star would come in. Sting would be one of the first feuds they had because they wanted to. He wanted to prop them up and go, hey, you're in the ring with me, dude. I'm the franchise. You you steal the show with me, you're going to be a star here. So that that's kind of what he did. When he turned into the Crow Sting, I'll never forget the night he cut that promo after Fall Brawl where he wouldn't even look at the hard camera on purpose because he didn't want the at-home audience to see, uh, you know, the emotion in his face. And then he left. And then when he left the ring that night, that was the same night that X-Pac joined the NWO as six. Uh, he had, he joined them the same night. I'll never forget uh, six flipped a switch. And all of a sudden all this paraphernalia started falling from the ceiling and it had NWO and it had like stuff they were saying, basically we won war games. So now the war's over. We've won. We're going to take over the whole thing. That's when they started promoting uh, the NWO uh, uh, separate show. They were going to be starting to do. So yeah. So he goes away. We don't see him for, I'm trying to remember exactly, it was like at least two months, maybe almost three. We don't see him for at least that long. By then, his hair had just gone below his ears to like his mid-neck. And we see him sitting up in the in the rafters with just white face paint starting, I think a little bit of black at his eyes, 
But then it's like every time we saw him after that, the, the face paint kept morphing and changing into finally what he decided he was going to have. And then he started showing up in people's matches and he adopted the new Scorpion Death Drop, the reverse DDT. Then all of a sudden, one week, he had a baseball bat and he had the big trench coat. And then, but the intriguing part for me is he never said a word. The, the, this is the stinger Thank who you goodness. could. Yeah, well, I was saying, this is the stinger that you couldn't shut him up and you couldn't keep him from having high energy. Now he's slow. He's methodical. He's not talking. He's mysterious. You don't know, is he with you or against you? You know nothing until uncensored 1997 when he repels in the middle of the main event and takes down Hulk Hogan. And at that moment, there's a hope spot. Okay. He's still with WCW and he's, and he's basically saying the reason I am the way I am is because of what you black and white boys did to me. And I'm wearing the very thing that you did. And so I'm going to make it my mission to take you down one by one. And after then, he only targeted NWO members all the way building to, as we're about to get to, Starcade 97, where he took down the crown jewel and got the world championship. There's only one crown jewel, sir, and that's uh, Chase Owens in New Japan. <laughs> oh, my God. Put your boy over, Bobby. He's a, he, he about as bad as Hogan with that kid. <laughs> but you He's, don't even like him. And he uh, owes you money. He's a friend of the show. He's your personal boy. And when I tried to get him on for an interview, a motherfucker still had the gall to tell me it was two hundred dollars. I didn't. <clears throat> Vince Russo didn't make two hundred dollars off of me. I'm not paying Chase Owens two hundred dollars so I'd get five views on YouTube because nobody knows who the fuck Chase Owens is. But bro, he's for life and all this other crap that they do. Kenny Omega. I'm Team Marie Shadows. Fuck Chase Owens. <laughs> and he was rude to your grandmother and he was like, super rude to your grandmother and he shaved his beard in her sink and he didn't clean his stuff up like no bad chase bad mm, mm. i wonder why he doesn't want to come on the show so when sting got the belt there was some stuff bret hart was involved he had came over um that was the the whole referee thing after the screw job um yep. So looking at what happened with Brett in Montreal between him and Sean, when he first got the WCW, this was his first kind of paid gig with the company. How do you think yeah. they handled Sean, uh, Brett when they brought him over? The way he's, uh, like a mid Carter. No, it was no, it was terrible. They they at first they they I was just kidding, Bama. Um, no, I was, I was I was gonna say like a fart in church. That's how bad it was. Yeah, like they mishandled it. Farts like, are always they... funny, by the way. I don't care where you're at. Farts are always funny. They should have they sh they should have brought Brett in when he was hot, right after the screw job. Yeah, they waited for whatever reason. Um, you know, they came out with the Canadian flags. He was free of his contract. He he had no. He could have just come right in. Like he should have been on Raw the next night. Like you have, like you waste. You know, ravishing rude on both shows because he doesn't have a contract like uh lex luger same thing debuts the day after like brett brett was the hottest thing in wrestling and not even wrestling it was talking mainstream he put like, the letters on the screen yeah you know, so like it, on survivor it was, series it was literally the worst timing because the moment he's free great we can get brett hart this is awesome all crap we got a sting and hogan story going on here it was the worst time to do that. Arguably, if they if they had known they were going to get him, then what they should have done 
is have Sting and Hogan at like Halloween Havoc. And then the moment he comes in, he's the immediate new guy going after either one of them. But the fact that they were embroiled in this and literally it took the it took the air out of the whole story because now we have to have Brett on this show. We can't put him anywhere else. It doesn't make sense. He's got to be in the main event. And so now this literally year-long build to this match at Starcade should have been the biggest match of the year. Now we have to get Brett in. Now we have to get a controversial referee. Now we have to have the match go over. And Sting, unfortunately, had this ring rust. And Sting, and Hogan doesn't have the easiest style to adapt to. So you have all these – it was just – it was the perfect storm to be the perfect letdown. And I'm sorry, I hate watching that match now because it, I, I now think what it could have been and should have been and then what it is. It's so yeah, I, sad. I think I think they should have figured out a way to either get Savage involved with Brett or Flair involved with Brett and make that an immediate, okay, you know what, you beat these number, you know, number two guys in WCW and get to Hogan or Sting. But yep. they, they just put a referee shirt on him and tried to fake the Montreal screw job. Yeah. And they blew it. It was terrible. Nick Patrick didn't do a slow count. It was a normal count. And it just it looked terrible. It was terrible on WCW's part. It was terrible on Brett's part. It was terrible on Hogan's part. The execution was awful. Um, and I think Brett says something about execution and stuff like that. He's the best at it, but this was definitely not his best execution. Excellent at it. He was excellent <laughs> at it. Um uh, so Sting won the title at Starcade. Then it was vacated because of the issues that he had with the finish with Nick Patrick and Bret Hart and all of that. And then they used about a 60-day build to Super Brawl 8. And it was between him and Hogan again. And this was the rematch. Um, do you think this was kind of the chance for him to really show he deserved the win over Hogan the first time? Because they, they built the story in to vacate it, then they built it for 60 days. Then when they gave him the win the second time over Hogan, was this kind of the I told you so moment for him to be like, I am as big as this guy or bigger? Oh, for sure. But don't forget the night after Starcade on Raw, Sting put the title back on the line of the main event against Hogan again. And and everybody interfered with it, and the match didn't stand. So, yeah, it, it was so convoluted. I think they're like, look, we, we, we dropped the ball on this. Let's let's make let's make the Super Brawl the Super Bowl and let's make this the big deal. And then thankfully after that, when he did defend it and didn't did basically retain it, that summer is probably some of Sting's best matches holding that championship. He had a great run with that title in the summer. I agree with Bama. Like I think that this was them realizing that, oh, we screwed up at Starcade and that rain's not gonna look good if Sting runs, you know, for a long time with it. So we've got to give him a legitimate run, a legitimate win over Hogan. And, you know, it turned out it turned out to be one of like Sting's longest ever reigns. Yeah. Fifty-six days. One of Sting's longest ever reigns. <laughs> Shut what, up, Bobby. <laughs> what the 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 reign after Super Bowl was only fifty six days? Correct. He yeah. lost it. He won it February twenty second, nineteen ninety eight. He lost it April nineteenth, nineteen ninety eight to Randy Savage. Oh yeah. But then didn't he get it back the same year? Uh, no, he didn't, because we're about to get into somebody who isn't oh, wow. named Hollywood Hogan or uh, Sting. But before so, Allison, what do you think about Sting? I feel really bad because you weren't watching much wrestling in the mid-90s. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to. You weren't allowed to watch wrestling? Why is that doll back? The doll keeps creeping Bobby out. That's her. What's that called? Your little buddy doll? What's it called? It's a Buddy Lee doll. Buddy so... Lee doll. 
my parents. Wanna play? My grandparents. <laughs> What's the fucking doll's name from the movie, the scary movie? Annabelle. Annabelle. Yeah. Is that like Annabelle? I feel like that thing's no. going to give me nightmares. It's always creeped me out as long as I've known you, and I've known you longer than my kids are alive. This is why women become demented because they sleep with dolls looking at them all the time. So, <laughs> I put my doll this in. This is not wrestling related, but like backstory of this guy. He's like 100 years old. Uh, my great grandparents had a department store uh, from 1911 until 1968. And this was like their display model for Lee jeans. Mm. I don't look like they would fit. They look kind of small for me. <laughs> it's so that you could feel what like the jeans like felt gotcha. like. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Fair enough. It's still a little creepy doll. I like it though. It's creepy. It's gonna Bobby's gonna have nightmares because of it. He's brought it up like four different times. Yeah. Um, anyway. Anyway, Allison, what do you like sting or hate sting? I don't mind sting. Um What do you think about Sting in twenty twenty two? I think Sting in 2022 is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I, but he's not always crazy. Like, if I see Sting on my screen, like, I need you to jump off of something and not be lame. Like, are you one of the few people know. that are pretty much just saying, go jump off of something high and don't die for me? Pretty much. Fair enough. I mean, I'm not mad I mean, at you for it. He's helped. He helped Darby Allen get over, but I feel like it's time for Darby Allen to kind of move on. It's time for Darby to turn on Sting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not, I mean, not even necessarily turn on him, but like do his own sort of thing. Because like, honestly, Dad, I can do this by myself. Yeah, like he needs to stop living in Sting's shadow because he's better than that. Let me like, ask. Now, Darby is Darby is a heel ambushing you out of nowhere and doing crazy stuff with you out of nowhere yeah i'd love that let me ask you a question yeah. allison as somebody who's with sting specifically do you feel like he's a big enough attraction that if you see his name on a card you would still want to go see it just for the opportunity to see sting work no sting by himself isn't going to draw you anymore i mean he would never have drawn me even in 1980s when he was in UWF, not the AWA. <laughs> Thank you, Bobby. Uh, no, and I think, like, the weird... I guess because, like, I didn't see that first, but, like, weird sting that's blonde and... I don't like that. It's weird. Yeah, if you grew up with it as a kid, that's your hero. Yeah, yeah. it's di it's different. Yeah, yeah, so, like, I'm catching, like, the reverse of it. It's like, oh, that's weird. I don't like yeah. it. I can see that. Like yeah, dark I, and scary Michael Myers, not Sean Penn on steroids. The WWE sting felt old. And this AEW sting feels relevant and young and like it's it's more exciting. Like I didn't really see much of the Joker sting. I've I've gone back and watched some YouTube of it. Oh, it's, it's awesome. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most like character that he was ever like, he was just like nutty like he was that that seems like that was the most comfortable thing was ever on the microphone yes so yeah i've got to watch i've got to watch more impact it's just yeah. impact is 
very difficult to watch sometimes. Him and the main event mafia was weird. No paint, sunglasses, title on his shoulder, acting like a complete jerk. That was weird. I've never seen him like that. Bobby, wasn't it you who told me that there's a different booking fee for Sting if he's in paint versus if he's not in paint? You have to pay two different fees for him? Yeah, it's like a thousand dollar difference. Just if to you get want him to put face paint on? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it takes time. Yeah, it's an art. It's a piece of art. It takes him like two hours to do it. Yeah, but it's yeah. it's funny like how guys book. Like um, Nikita Koloff, for example, if you let him preach in a church, his fee drops by half. At least last time I talked to Nikita about stuff, um, which was years and years ago. Um, but yeah, if you let him preach, it's one fee. If you don't uh, have him preach and you're just doing autographs, it's one fee. If you want him to throw a sickle, it's another fee. Wow. So, yeah, so it's, you know, but Nikita's an awesome, awesome person if you ever get to talk to him. And, you know, but yeah, he's he's another one of the guys, you know, very heavily involved in the church and, um, you know, spreading the word and stuff. So he actually, he's Luger's caretaker. Yep. Yeah, if, if Luger's at an event, Nikita's there because Nikita's taking care of him. Yeah. Saw him at StarCast as well. All right, I'm going to say a name, and I just want you guys to tell me what comes to mind. Bill Goldberg. Don't say Bill. Why? Because he ain't Bill Goldberg. He's Goldberg. Goldberg. <laughs> Goldberg. There it is. I think the most overrated guy in the WWE Hall of Fame. Most dangerous guy ever in the ring, in my opinion. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely up there. I'd say one of the most dangerous workers to ever do it. He, he ain't a worker, dude. Uh, do you think one of the issues with Goldberg as a worker in the ring was how quickly they expedited his training through the power plant? Do you think his issues in ring co directly coincide with the fact his training got cut short because they wanted him on TV quicker? I think it was his ego. I don't think the guy knew how to work. And if you look at his streak, he works with some really good wrestlers. It wasn't, a you know, the guys that jobbed to him were future trainers. Um, it just, he had an ego. He came in, no respect for the business, no respect for the guys against him, um, and was surrounded by the cancers of Nash, Hall, Hogan that were telling him one thing, putting him over in his head. And he just, he never, he never wanted to or needed to improve because he always had that main event spot. I will agree with that. Also, just the simple fact of they wanted him to be former Atlanta Falcon tough guy that, holy crap, the spear he could throw, how fast he is, how strong he is. They wanted him to be an ex-NFL football player that can beat you in 10 seconds. That's what they wanted. So basically, it's okay. Here's how you would do hit somebody in football. Can you just do it kind of like that, but don't kill the guy? And then, oh, by the way, here's a move called a jackhammer. I think it would look great for you because it'll show how strong you are. Even though you don't look like a bodybuilder, it'll show you how naturally gifted you are. So here's what I want you to do. Go in there, stomp around, act intense, hit him with a spear, jackhammer. If the match goes longer than three minutes, you lose $1,000. All right, go out there and have fun. <laughs> So basically, 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 that's what it was. I mean, I completely agree. It was a paycheck because, again, he, he busted up his his body. He wanted to play the NFL for like another five, six years. They got taken away from him. So he's got. So he goes in. I think he's working out at a gym or something. Somebody ran into him and said, "You know what? I think you should try this." So then they brought him in. I, I really think, like you said, well, number one, they wanted him to become a spectacle. Number two, they just wanted him to be him. 
They didn't want him to be a worker. They wanted him to be an attraction. They, they, just they never wanted thought Goldberg of it. Yeah. to be Goldberg. Exactly. Did you ever see the match with him and Regal? On no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Where Regal didn't sell. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 on YouTube. It's uh it's really impressive to watch. Like Regal Regal took him to like like he was the first competitive match that Goldberg had on TV. So oh. he didn't, he didn't, so what so what, he took a spear and just got up. No, it wasn't a spear because he didn't it didn't get that far in the match. Like oh, once wow. it, Regal Regal did the job, but he wanted to make sure Goldberg knew, hey, you're not in the ring with you know just anybody. You're in the ring with a with a guy that you know has been working since he was 16 years old. You know in the carny circuit, mm-hmm. uh, make so yeah. It's it's a, it's a really incredible match to watch. Like it's if you're gonna watch a shoot, that's a pretty fun shoot to watch. So Goldberg versus Regal from Nitro. If I could ask one question to either Goldberg or whoever was booking his matches. It would be the match he had against Wrath, because the moment the bell rang, Wrath still had his helmet and his cape and his breastplate on, and Goldberg speared him, jackhammered him, and pinned him, and he hadn't had a chance to take any of that off. <laughs> you, the, the, that stuff is not safe to get bumped in, especially if it's got any metal stuff in it. I wonder if they literally told, told him, look, Goldberg, the moment the bell rings, no matter who you're in the ring with, go. And I wonder if he, if he didn't think, okay, I need to wait on this guy to take his stuff off. Because that was my first thought. Because Rav laid there for about a minute with somebody like trying to help him get his helmet off and stuff. I think they, I think Goldberg almost legit killed him. Yeah, I think it's very telling. If you look at Goldberg's Hall of Fame, the shots they pan out to the crowd, the boys had left. Like, most of the boys had left. Like, they did not respect him. Nope. I know Brett this past week has actually called for him to be taken out of the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, obviously Brett's got issues with him. Like you can talk to Brett about cutting the grass and somehow he's going to turn it around and be like, Goldberg sucks. And he <laughs> Every chance that like on every bio that Brett is on, he somehow manages to mention how Goldberg ended his career. Yep. If you were one of the greatest to ever do it and it got cut short because somebody was green in the ring and injured you, I would probably do the same thing. No, I mean, I don't disagree with Brent doing it. I'm just saying, like... Let me ask you guys a question, all right? And in true Will Gray fashion, I just want your reaction because that's how this works on my show and I just do it on the fly. Um, Hollywood Hogan got another win down the road. It was after Goldberg's streak had ended. And we're looking at a point in WCW's history that some could say was the beginning of the end it was before russo came in and directly before russo took over kevin nash booked for the company for six months in 1998 and it started with him beating goldberg and winning the title and then eight days later on nitro the finger poke of doom he literally got in the ring Hogan yep. hit him in the chest with his finger. He took the bump, and Hogan pinned him one, two, three for the title. Like in wrestling, do you think this was this like the screw job in a sense that it just pulled the curtain back completely for the fans? It was just a complete hoax. It was it was garbage the way it was written. Or are you under the impression that it was like? the rejoining of the NWO, getting the teams back together, you know, the outsiders and Hogan. Like, what do you guys think of the finger poke of doom and the way Nash booked all of that to happen in the summer of 98? 
I think it depends on who you ask. I mean, or winner I, of '98. Sorry, not summer. Yeah, yeah. I think it depends on who you ask. When I did the Attitude Era, this or that, uh, Rob, who was on the show, said if he if he was Eric Bischoff, he would have booked it the exact same way because number one, the yeah, like all the bands back together, the original Black and White have rejoined. Number two, how the heck would you have seen that coming? So it's a complete total swerve. Oh my gosh, they got us. Number three. Nash and Hogan in the main event for the World Heavyweight Championship. Even if it, even if the match ends the way it ends, you you sold that you sold the building out to have that match happen. So it's 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 one of those things. Personally, to me, I didn't like it for because you know because of not only that but also Tony Schiavone in the commentary going, hey, Mick Foley's going to win the championship. I, that'll put butts in the seats. Yeah, it's like the entire. By that point, it had been completely an agenda. Oh my gosh, they're getting traction over on the other show. We've got to up our ante and do crazy stuff and 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 start spoiling things and and do stuff that was gonna. I know social media didn't exist then, but this stuff's gonna steal the headlines. That oh my gosh, you won't believe what happened on Nitro in the main event. Who cares what happened in the other main event on the other show? So I think at that point they started getting a little too smart for their own good and overbooking things. And instead of just letting the at the work the work in the ring do the talking for them and i mean good grief by this point the nwo had become the black and white the red and black the lwo uh, the blue wo on ecw i mean it just became it has become so watered down that they thought this would be the shot in the arm and they just didn't do it the right way yeah and you gotta like this is like this was the night that the streak ended 83 weeks ended like this was it right yep yes like nash and hogan like i southern term uh they got too big for their bridges and i don't think that they thought that they could do anything wrong and this was you know shivani was one thing that they did wrong with it this match was wrong i do think that um goldberg would be better not being the champion because the winning formula on wwf was austin chasing the belt he'd win it here and there never really a long reign um and he was also beatable. Goldberg yep. was beatable. Right. He was believable to be beaten, even though he did have a lot of guys around him. Like, I will give WCW the upper hand on current WWE because I don't see anybody beating Roman Reigns because he is a he is a Goldberg type. Like he's just that unbeatable champion. But in WCW at this point in time, you did have Nash, you did have Hogan, you had these other guys that could foreseeably beat Goldberg. Um, so Nash's win over Goldberg is very controversial and his loss to Hogan, very controversial. But to steal a line from Eric Bischoff, I think it was supposed to be best for business. It just turned out to be bad. There's one guy that can beat Roman Reigns. It's the one guy Roman's never beaten at a pay-per-view. Goldberg. No. Goldberg. Goldberg. Seth freaking rollins seth freaking rollins needs to have every belt in every promotion on the entire even at, world he even needs, at the royal rumble he needs roman that. got dq'd seth holds a win in that match i think he's seth never rollins. beaten seth if bees had knees they would look like seth rollins <laughs> i'm just saying my my Twitter account may as well just be a Seth Rollins Stan account at this point because that man does no right. wrong. You take Seth, I'll take Becky. I love that plan. <laughs> All right, before we get into the Russo-Fed era that ended WCW, and I'll just go ahead and say it, 
Um, I want to talk about one person specifically. He's one of my favorite WCW superstars of all time. We're talking about him because it's my show. It's me. It's me. It's DDP, Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, what did you guys think about him as champion? He had multiple reigns with the big gold belt. He was a late bloomer, didn't start wrestling till his late 30s, mid-30s, um, which is old in a lot of cases. For him not to have his first professional match until his mid-30s, it was a, a pretty unique. Um, what do you guys think about Diamond Dallas Page and what he was doing for the business there in the 97, 98, 99 range? Bobby, you go first this time. Um, Page, Page really isn't over with me. Um this point in time, I do think that Paige was impressive because I remember him from the AWA as the manager of the Diamond Stud and the Diamond Stable. Um, Paige, had, Paige definitely came a long way. He definitely deserved what he got when you know the backstory. As a fan, though, I felt like this was a mid-card guy that just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, you can obviously see that he's friends with Hall and Nash, uh, neighbors with Bischoff. So you knew why he was getting the push. After a few years, he did get over with me. I will say that. Like, the first couple reigns, not so much. But, yeah, Paige deserves to be where he's at now um, in hindsight. But in that sight of actually watching in 99, I was like, who the F is this guy? And why are they pushing him? He looks terrible. He, like, you look like, like he would be a bouncer not even a bouncer. He, he would be the guy at the end of the bar just drinking. Like that's he, gonna man, get- he, he managed the bar, right? That's so what he, he would. So he yeah. would pretty much be a bouncer, man. Like that's yeah. pretty much every bouncer in Nashville. You just described him. Yeah. So I don't know. Like Paige, in hindsight, I respect Paige's career at this point in time. Um, in that you know ninety ninety uh, ninety nine nine uh, two thousand run in WCW. At the time, though, I was just like. This guy doesn't belong the same level as the NWO, um, Sting, Flair, Savage. DDP, my first remembering of him was him versus Johnny B. Bad, a.k.a. Mark Barrow, uh, <laughs> when he was in WCW. They had that rivalry over Kimberly, his actual mm-hmm. wife, who was managing Mark Barrow. Um, so that was funny. Then when he turned babyface in uh, 1996, I think, when he turned babyface, it's funny how everybody calls The Rock the people's champion when Stone Cold was really the people's champion in the WWE. But in the WCW, nobody had the love of the people, maybe arguably than Sting, more than Diamond Dallas Page. This guy is just like us. He comes out, he does bang, then he immediately jumps in the crowd, he high-fives all of us, then he gets in the ring, he does his thing, then he goes back out through the crowd, he doesn't go back up the ramp. Now, we know we know the biggest reason is because if he goes back up the ramp, the NWO are going to ambush him. So that's why he goes back through the crowd so they can't get to him. But the biggest thing for me, and it's the reason why the RKO Diamond Cutter is my favorite finisher of all time, he is an average wrestler. But the moment he hits that Diamond Cutter, He's number one. There, there's, just, there's just an art of psychology with him of every single week, I'm never going to hit it the same way twice. I'm never going to do it in the same manner. I'm never going to do it at the same point in the match. You will never see the move coming. And when it does, 
the whole room explodes. It is is such an art form to get a move over the way he did. My favorite ever was when he was dressed as La Parka and he hit Randy Savage with it, and then he ripped the mask off and he showed everybody that it was DDP in the match. That was one of the best moments ever. But and of course the one where he uh, where he got uh, the people off the top rope with it when he hit Bischoff with it, I about lost my mind because I've been waiting for him to hit Bischoff with that move. It was it was just such a great moment. To, to watch this guy get over. So to me, when you when, when the term people's champion is thrown out there, I always think DDP, not The Rock, because he truly was a, a man of the people. Yeah, the music too, that Nirvana riff that he had. Yeah, like that, one that, note that, difference, one yeah. note, that's it. That, that thing was fire. <laughs> that thing really was fire. Like I, yeah. <laughs> he does yoga. Alice, do you know anything about DDP? I just realized I muted myself. I had to say it twice. You were muted. <laughs> was I no, not you muted? muted? Oh, it was just muted on OBS then. Uh, Dave, you got so excited. I was having to adjust your levels on the fly because oh, I'm as sorry. no, My no, bad. no. My bad. I love I'll it. Back up. Get excited. No, don't, don't stop. I'm it's, so excited. <laughs> I just love it. I love the excitement. I have never watched a DDP match. Don't watch anything after two thousand. Everything before. Well, the I've reason seen him in person. He's a cool dude. He likes to talk about yoga. Yeah, he's he's the biggest self promoter. Like you talk about Brett talks about Goldberg. He, you cannot talk DDP about like without him mentioning one of his products or what he's doing with you know Buff Bagwell or Jake yep. or Buff. yeah yoga. It's Look, Insane. dude, I got a, I got a lot of side hustles. I get the fact that sometimes you just want to talk about all the shit you got going on. I feel that he's, he's like the Nick Saban of wrestling. All these people fail, and then they come to him, and they come out successful. So <laughs> no, he, also Bama, sold Bama, yeah, I'll, I'll mute you if you bring that man up on my show again. <laughs> um, I'm gonna ask you guys uh, kind of a loaded question to round it out, and I appreciate y'all for coming on. Um, the Russo era of WCW is notoriously known for being overbooked. Do you think the one thing they did right through the last three years of their existence was giving Booker T the title at the very end? No, I think the first thing they did right, and I know you're going to hate this, Will, Chris Benoit. They gave him the title. He deserved the title. He'd been working his ass off. Um, it was BS what happened to him with uh, Sullivan uh, having the book. So I think Benoit was his first huge victory. Um, I think what he did with Jarrett, Jarrett was a mid-carter at best. Um, and it's Russo putting his boys in front of business. And Booker T, I will I will say Booker T, um, at that point in time, the best of seven series that he had with Benoit, he was growing up the card. And should he have been world champion? I'm not 100% sold on it. But he did the best for his talent with that belt. And if yeah. it wasn't Russo, I don't think he would have ever had the chance. I think Bischoff would have wanted to eventually, but there was always three or four guys bigger on the card than he was. I so, think that was his biggest thing, his biggest holdup in his entire career, though. And that was kind of the rabid Wolverine was the fact that he was always so undersized. Yeah, Vinso had a unfortunate complex, and he still has it, unfortunately. And that is everything I did versus you. That's what got over. So when I come over, I'm going to do the exact same thing. 
So you know what? The biggest thing I had a headache with was that daggum NWO. So you know what? I'm going to rebirth it. Bret Hart will be the leader of it. And then Jeff Jarrett will be the leader of it. I'm like, let the daggum thing die, please. Without Hogan, Hall, and Nash, it ain't the NWO. Yeah, we're going to be black and silver instead of black and white. uh, So bad. So bad. And I mean, I mean, I stopped watching probably 1999. But when I heard that David Arquette had won the belt, I'm like, they're done. They're done. Greatest 12 days of WCW history. David Arquette held the title. Vince Russo also wrote himself into the title. So, Dave, you say yes to Booker T. Uh, Bobby, you think it could have been somebody else for the end of it? Yeah, you know, one of the guys that popped in my mind, and I know backstage-wise he probably wasn't mentally ready, Buff Bagwell was a guy that really paid his dues. Yep, he he could have been a champion. Yeah, he had the look. Um, He definitely had the heat. So, you know, I – I think, you know, I know, I know Buff again, backstage, you've heard a lot of stories about him and, you know, obviously he's going through a lot of stuff in his personal life, but That's I think Buff back to put it. Yeah. Especially where Buff came from. Like when you yeah. first look at Buff Bagwell with the American males, like it was a jobber tag team. Like it was, it was like the young stallions of the old WWF. Um, I love the American males. <laughs> dude, to have a tag team partner for like less than a year and get matching tattoos that says a lot about like what you believe in this team. Um, hey, they had they were two whoa, time tag team champs. Look, I'm gonna be honest. I will get matching tattoos for far less than being a tag <laughs> team partner. This is the guy who has a taco dinosaur on his leg, though. I'm not exactly one to like put a lot of thought into my tattoos. I say, Will, you've got the records there. Was Scott Steiner ever world champion in WCW? Scott Steiner was a world champion. Scott Steiner held the belt. Uh, Scott Steiner held the belt one time for 120 days. He won it at Mayhem in November 26, 2000. It was in a straight jack steel cage match. He beat Booker T. Yep. See, I wasn't watching then, so I didn't even know. Um, so closing remarks on WCW as they finished in 01. They got bought out. Booker T won the big gold belt as they closed down. Uh, before we transfer into the WWE Big Gold Belt, which we've already done, because once again, we did the shows backwards. Um, What are your guys' closing remarks on the Big Gold Belt in 2001 as it exited WCW? I think it lost some of its flair. I hate you. (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) And it's prestige. Um, I actually enjoyed the last couple years of WCW, the last two years. Like it was hard to watch, like being a you know, older fan. But at the same time I could see them turning I could see them turning it around. And I was hoping they were gonna turn it around. And I think they would have if the sale would have happened with Bischoff. Um, the belt still though represents a lot. And you know, there's even rumors now that they want to bring the belt back. Like Triple H wants to bring that belt back. Um, so the belt itself, the way it looks, like just like the winged eagle, it's something that I think goes down in history as prestigious. And you see that belt, you want to win it. And that's why you want to be champion is because you want that championship around your waist. So the belt to me didn't it didn't diminish um, much in the WWE other than it was Vince never put it as high as the WWF championship. But to me, the the shape of the belt, the way the belt looks, the actual physical title, um, that, that means a lot. And I think that's the biggest uh, thing in pro wrestling. It was solid and there from 1986 until it re- was retired by Jericho um, in 2001. So its longevity, I think, like says a lot. 
Because if you look at WWE championships, they change every couple of years because they're trying to sell a new toy. And WCW, that belt was the real championship. Well said. Allison, are you eating Nightcrawlers? Are you eating I candy? Lo- I love you. That's one of my favorite candies. <laughs> oh, they're so good. Oh, trolleys are the best. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say ditto to everything Bobby said. I, it's funny, even – I know we're not really talking about it, but even in the WWE, the feuds over the big gold belt seem to have more passion and more veracity than the feuds over the WWE championship at the time, which I think was pretty much the undisputed championship from the moment the big gold belt debuted. And I think a lot of it honestly had to do with the people that were fighting over that knew the history. They knew this is a prestigious belt. It's a beautiful belt. I mean – Triple H could have easily said, you know, I I can wait and maybe feud over the other belt, but the thought of, okay, when I walk out of the curtain and that thing's draped around my waist and the flash bulbs and the lights are sparkling off that thing, and then I get on the apron of the ring and I do my big water spot, that thing's just glowing around my waist. There's something about that. And I think I think that's why even the, the crappy booking things we've all talked about tonight and the, the terrible matches and terrible business decisions, somehow it's like the slight bad taste in your mouth gets taken away a little bit because that beautiful belt is on screen. There's just something about it. It just does that. And I really hope that Bobby's right. I have a feeling Triple H doesn't want to move too quickly because he doesn't want to you know, make the shareholders go, what the heck are you doing, man? Plus, I, don't, I would love to know the right situation with that because I think once the the belt was retired, I don't know if the NWA uh, got any claims to it, but my gosh, if there's any way it can at least a hybrid of it. Like even – like I've seen pictures of like the current belt with the logo and the big gold belt had a baby. The way it's just – I'll tell you, go find a picture of it. It looks gorgeous, and it has it has the W a little bigger than um, than it used to look. But just if, if they can even do a semblance of this big, beautiful gold belt as a title to be won, I really think a lot of fans would really love that and love to see that come back. And, and I think it would also be a good thing to draw even those those far out in the distance. We don't watch anymore since the Ruthless Aggression era. If they see that belt on screen, it might be enough to bring them back in. Ray yeah, well, Blair you- really wants that belt back. Oh, I want that belt back. Yeah, when Triple well, H- no, like he... Oh, he wants to like own the rights to it? No, yeah. the, the belt that Ric Flair's talking about, Allison, is his globe belt because he had the 10 oh, pounds of gold. Oh, I thought it was gold. that one. No, Triple H has Ric Flair's 10 pounds of gold in his office at WWE headquarters. Right. He owns Ric Flair's title belt, and Ric Flair tried to sue to get it back. And he wow. Couldn't, yeah, and he the couldn't original, win the... Hmm? The original 86 belt uh, Hogan took. When Hogan beat Flair in 94, Hogan kept that belt. Wow. Yeah. And hasn't given it. I don't know if he's given it back to him since, but that's that's the internet rumor that I've seen is Hogan has the original 1986 belt. Triple Wait, H so has got the 10 pounds of gold, the NWA title, like the uh, dome globe. He's got a dome globe in his office. So, well, you you tell me Ric Flair sued the WWE for that or he's tried to sue Triple H for that? My understanding was he tried to sue the WWE to get his belt back his own personal property because he was saying it was his belt. WWE just had it. And then he was trying to get it back. So the one triple H has hanging is not the one he's trying to get back. No, that's his belt. That's the one he wants back. That's what I'm saying. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like the, the 10 pounds of gold in triple H's office is Ric Flair's 10 pounds of gold. 
you think Hunter would just give it back. Fight <laughs> <Right> now. <laughs> got a thing, too. Like, as big as, you know, this belt was and as important it is, Triple H could have invented any world championship and introduced any title yep. on on that uh, SmackDown or Raw, whichever one it was. Raw. With yeah. Raw. So, yeah. But he chose this belt. The, like, that belt that had that lineage from 86. Like, his hero's belt. Ric Flair's belt. And, and like, Ric Flair was in the faction with him in Evolution yeah. when he did it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's amazing to, like, look back the WCW. Like, Hogan is the one that held that title the longest. And Benoit the shortest. Yeah. Woo. Gentlemen, it's been a marathon. Woo! We've crossed over the end ladies and ladies, ladies and gentlemen, Allison, sorry. We ju- we crossed over the two hour mark. This might be the longest episode of Botch Bots and Chair Shots, Dave. I appreciate it. I'm sorry. Don't know. I like Why talking. We talk about it. I think it's great. No, t- time is the most valuable commodity we have, and I don't want to waste anybody's. Just wait till I put volume one and volume two together. It's actually going to be volume two, then volume one, and I'm going to mix them all together, and it's going to be like a four and a half hour long episode now with the entire history of the big gold belt from 1994 to 2014. Be longer you know, than WrestleMania. It will be longer than <laughs> WrestleMania. <laughs> There's a very successful franchise that did that same thing. It's called Star Wars. Whatever. Okay, uh, gentlemen, this is my favorite part of the episode. Dave, uh, plug your stuff. Tell everybody what you have going on, what you've got coming up. All right, thank you so much, Will, Bobby, and Miss Allison for having me on tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor to rejoin you guys on Botch Pots and Chair Shots. Right here behind me, look for this Bammer Chatter logo anywhere you look on social media. Right now, like I said, tomorrow we're going to be doing a space at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, which by the time you watch this, you're too late. But anyway, um, but we're going to be previewing Halloween Havoc and talking and doing a little bit of check your temperature on what the card's going to be about. I hope all of you will join me. I'd love to hear your takes on the card and on the matches and what y'all think is going to happen. Uh, I can tell you that we have a few episodes in the works that we're going to be recording here in the near future. The next major show on the Bammer Chatter, which is on twitch.tv slash bammer chatter as well as on youtube Ch- type in bammer chatter wrestling podcast and you can uh find me there but i think the next major show we will do will be previewing survivor series in november i'm very excited about that the first ever war games on the main roster this is history in the making so i cannot wait to do that show and talk to uh, a great panel about that match uh so anyway yeah again uh hope you guys come over and check me out subscribe follow like comment all that good stuff but most importantly, guys, like, follow, subscribe, comment, do everything for the Botch Postage Chair Shots and the Smack Draw brand. These guys are amazing. They helped me get my jump start. I love Kyle, RN, Will, Allison, Bobby, all you guys as part of that brand. You're amazing. We love you too, Bobby Dave. is not part of Smack Draw. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. By association. He's the Eric Bischoff. He's the Eric Bischoff. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell KY that. <laughs> Bobby Mack, you're up. Oh, yeah. You can always follow Yellow Shoe Guy on TikTok, Twitter, and Twitch. Just type in Yellow Shoe Guy. You'll see all the kind of comments that I say. You might not like everything, but you can always comment on all of it. So appreciate all of you guys following me. I appreciate all you guys uh, watching my stuff. TikTok, we are almost 5,000 strong, so keep following that. Uh, We want to get up to 10,000 so I can start making some cash. Miss Sigal? Um, you can follow me on the tweeters and the tiki talkies at just a girl nine eighteen. Um, I'm currently holding strong at 141 TikTok followers. Uh, I need a thousand so that I can go live with Mr. Mac. 
Um, let's see. Once Will finally writes my scripts for... <gasps> I forgot to write your comic. You did. Forget. I'm saying that on yeah. air. I apologize. Um, I have a... <laughs> the comic will be done and posted tomorrow. <laughs> my bad. Saturday. Saturday. Actually, Saturday. Oh, yeah. We got a show tomorrow. We have a show tomorrow. So Saturday will be a new heel support group with Max and Colby. Um, good stuff. Uh, help me get to be able to go live on TikTok. That's the thing I'm pushing now. So if you have a Tiki Talkies, just a girl, 918, just like my tweeters. If Allison uh, Hightower taught us anything, it's feet pics are the way to go. That's all I'm saying. Bobby's coming back. Bobby's wearing shorts. That's weird. I always wear shorts. All right. Um, let me think about my list. Uh, follow Mr. 8984. That's RN. He's the host of the Rewind. Follow Kai Tai Show, UWO Rewind. Follow Ted the Hillbilly Hill. Follow Marie Shadows. Follow Ravage Dragon. Follow M-A-T-T-R-I-D-D-E-R. Uh, follow Wrestling with the Truth Podcast. Follow pretty much all my friends. Just Just follow my friends. Like and Marie Shadows. Marie Shadows. Follow Marie Shadows. You said Marie. Did I? Who did I forget? What of ours did you forget? Ted the Hillbilly Hill. You got him. Who did I forget? You forgot IWG as you do. Follow my. Follow the newsletter. Follow the Indie Wrestling Gazette at Indie Gazette. Uh, we do have some cool stuff working up right that. You'll see some Indie Gazette stuff coming up on IWTV. But... Now as we close another episode of Watch, Watch, and Share Shots, I want to take a minute thank you for listening. Remind you to go wherever you do anything on the internet. Internet. Like, follow, subscribe, unsubscribe, then subscribe again. Leave a comment telling me how great I am or how terrible it sounds. Either way, it helps the algorithm. It helps find new listeners. If you're feeling really generous, be one of the VIP people. Head over to patreon.com and donate to the Smack Raw Podcast Network. You get some fantastic swag. We get some fantastic guests. It's a win-win for the Yellow Shoe Guy, for Bama Dave, for the Boss Bitch Allison Siegel. I am the Will Gray. Thanks for stopping by and listening, my people. Tennessee still sucks. Tennessee does not suck. We will be putting this up raw. He doesn't edit shit. I edit things. I edit things. Yeah. I, I always go back when I edit the church podcast. I edit myself a lot. I'm like, I talk too much. <laughs> well, we do a pretty good job most of the time. We're still streaming. I haven't stopped recording yet. We do a lot of time, like a lot of good, where there's not a whole lot of dead time or downtime in the conversations. I pretty much try my best to keep that ball rolling. We did clock in at two hours.